Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the Vortex, and that's episode number 175. Now I've got a plan, but I'm going to rock at it. I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. <laughs> uh, how are you guys? <laughs> I think we're all a bit looping. That was far funnier the <laughs> second time around. Bug the rocket. Maybe because we knew it was coming. <laughs> like that punchline in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you have your expectations set here, <laughs> and yes, then they come uh, down to here. But then you've already heard it, so now they can go back up again. When you've hit rock bottom, the bottom, the only way is up. Uh, I see what you did there with the rocks. I bunged it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording late this week. We My bad. And in a different sitting situation, so if yeah, we're more if relaxed, we, that's why. If we sound different or we fall asleep halfway through. <laughs> Why are we out here? Well, I suggested a few weeks ago so we aren't so close to Sarah, but this was... I'm tired. <laughs> I didn't want to sit in that comfortable chair for another two hours. Gotcha. <laughs> I said sitting here is going to make him fall asleep. I wanted to go outside, but... Nah, it's, it's we don't have a table for outside. A little outside. cooler out there. I guess we could take that table outside. <laughs> Keep the neighbors up. Set up on the, <laughs> on, the, on the patio. That'd be fairly awesome. <laughs> Actually, that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> Run an extension cord out the door. Let me get an extension cord and we can try that one week. We'd be, we'd be like the... You don't the, notice an extension not, cord that not long? Like, not like that. I don't have an industrial extension cord. I do. Bring it. I'm sure Glenn does somewhere in his garage behind a bureau and some light bulbs in a, in a we'll gutter. We'll probably use it for the garage sale. I've got four or five of those big old industrial strip extension cords. See, not having a house, nicely on a hook in the garage. We'd we'd be like uh, the, the uh, oldest permanent floating podcast in New York. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just take it to a park next time. When you buy a house, you find you need extension cords. Oh, yeah. When you first buy a house, you find that you lose extension cords. So that's why I have five of them. I finally got hooks. <laughs> how, how else do you think I plugged in? Everything in my house. <laughs> well, everything in your basement. Oh, yeah. yeah especially there. It's all plugged into that cord, <laughs> which is then plugged into the neighbor's house. What did you guys do this week? Sean, how are finals? Did you do anything they're they're not the- very final because they keep coming. You still have more? Yeah. For, for four classes, it shouldn't be, you know, but everybody's apparently assigned a final project on top of the final exam. And it's like, right. really? We couldn't do one or the other, but. Um, I'm about halfway with my list. I have my dry erase board out, and there's this huge list of <laughs> all this stuff has to be done at the dates, and I'm about halfway. You cross out, or do you race? I cross out. Yeah. That way I feel accomplished. Right. That's, look a, that's what I would do, yeah. just to make it look like it did something. did something today. And sometimes they have check marks, which means it's in progress, but it's not quite to the point where I can cross <laughs> it off. Yeah. And sometimes it, it's it's check marked because if I had to turn it in now, I probably could, but well, more to be done. Sometimes you just need that little extra oomph of inspiration to go, "Hey, look, I got a check mark now. <laughs> Feel like I'm moving." Um, I, I totally. We had to do a um, 
uh, just a little uh, two, three-page paper um, for an archaeological short story, basically. She gave us a couple of settings, and you had to create a fiction to go along with all the facts. And I, totally, I totally turned it into a Doctor Who story. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your tweet about that. Uh, yeah, I hovered around it for a while, and I, I finally buckled down and started writing the thing, and the next thing I knew, the TARDIS showed up, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so there may be some new fan fiction on the website soon. <laughs> but um, So there's that, and we got, our, um, got our, our short film done for art class, which is nice to have that. It's People don't realize... What, you know, we, we it, this was a nine-minute film, nothing major. Nine minutes. I mean, it's, I guess it's major for us, but you know, nine minutes. We shot over spring break. <laughs> it's just now done. It's taken. No, it takes a long time to edit. Two months for nine minutes. It's like, man, and this isn't really what I would even think of as, you know, good. Well, that too. <laughs> uh, Sorry, it's, it's, that it's, was mean. It's, it's not what I would the call look on a. His uh, face. Uh, it's not what I would call a um, technologically challenge. Well, it was challenging. It's not what I would call a um, a difficult one. It was just a short film, you know, that we did and put together. I mean, a green screen stuff. Well, in sometimes it, when you're doing your best, though, you put a lot oh, of work yeah, into thanks. it. Oh, thanks. So. When it does make its appearance, please don't take any note of Glenn's comments. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so that's done and, and, and done with. And uh, the professor got it, so that that was a good thing because we were a little concerned that maybe it was going to be twelve twenty one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't. So so that was nice. Um, and then uh, what else did I do? I worked a lot. I did take Saturday off and went to uh, Krypton Comics in Omaha for a free comic book day. How was it? I didn't get to go. It was fun. You should come. I didn't go. What? I had too much stuff to do. What? Yep. I didn't even. It didn't occur to me. I just assumed <laughs> you went. Nope. Oh. You could That's come. Okay. He's going to come to Planet Comic. You got Comic his Comic autograph for him, though. No, I didn't even. What? Money was a little tight too. Oh. Uh, uh, I, I, I understand that. That's why I didn't go to Omaha. <laughs> well, I didn't go. Well, don't worry, Glenn. He'll come to Planet Comic Con next year. Is he coming? Adam did. I guess that's true. Jewel did. Jewel did too. Law, laws of nature. Yeah. Sean went up to Omaha to get his autograph. Therefore, he'll be in Kansas yeah, City. That's yeah, that's your point. Yeah, that's true. That's that's, that's the way it the works. The common denominator. Yeah. We got Sylvester. <laughs> okay, I've seen Sylvester. That's right. We went to Galley and we turned around and got Sylvester. So. I'm going to quit going to Con so that more stuff people will come. <laughs> that's totally our fault. Or wait. I guess I still have to go. You have to go. Right, right, right. <clears throat> Maybe we'll get Colin next year. <laughs> That'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was it was fun. Krypton puts on a very 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 good um, big event. And uh, I thought uh, you went to Omaha. I did. Krypton. Krypton uh, Comics. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> eh. I like the Rock better. Um, Sorry, I'm exhausted. <laughs> my, my my wit and humor is. At a lower <laughs> caliber than it even is on a normal basis. It's dull. <laughs> it's very dull. Like a spoon. It's ultra dull. Uh, the he and the autograph that we're talking about, in case we didn't say it at some point in time previously, or you haven't seen my Facebook photos, is Ron Glass, who played uh, Preacher Man in Venus Firefly. Venus Flytrap. No, he was not Venus Flytrap. That's Tim Reed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that we did talk about. <laughs> no, did, no, we no, didn't we talk about, about that. that yeah. at shows because I made that reference, yes, too. And yeah. that's yeah. Well, that's I think I, I made that reference a few weeks ago and realized that I was wrong. See, I'm not the only one. He played 
Barney Miller. Yeah, he was on Barney Miller. Well, he, he wasn't Barney he, Miller. He, he was on he Barney was on Miller. Barney. He also played, um, believe it or not, Agents of Shield. This until years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's on Agents of Shield. More recently, he played on an African American version of The Odd Couple that ran for just really? probably not even a season, and he was uh, Felix Unger. Really? Yeah. Who caught that on BET one year? I had no idea that it even existed. And it was him and the guy that played, and I can't remember his name, that played Lawant Sanford. And he was really? Oscar. And it was, I don't, I, the episode, I, I, I've seen a lot of episodes of Odd Couple. I won't say that I've seen them all. But the particular ones that I saw of these, this duo didn't seem to be a, like direct adaptations of the uh, Jack Klugman and uh, uh, Tony Randall. Tony Randall versions. So, when do yeah. you think this was? You don't remember the name of it. It's called The Odd Couple. It's called That's the simply what it was called, The Odd Couple, and it, it starred those The New Odd Couple. Okay. According to MDB. Okay. The New Odd Couple. Um, I actually directly followed Barney Miller in his career. Shocked the heck out of me. I had no idea if it was... How many, does it say how many episodes that they did? 18. Yeah, I... I which means they aired four. I saw it. Well, I saw a chunk of them. <laughs> Two of them And that's Fox. what made me presume it was probably a season, but... Huh. Yeah, I didn't know that. He is—he is the nicest guy. I mean, we we say that about everybody we meet that they're always so nice. He's genuinely—he's just nice and friendly and sweet and nice and um, uh, uh, good-natured. So he, he was—he was really really cool. How was the crowd compared to Adam? Not as long, uh, really? at least initially. Um, and I don't know if that was star power versus I mean, Adams had a few more. Recent, yeah, things that he's been in. Well, and he had just come off of Chuck too. Yeah, he just come off Chuck, and he's in Independence Day, and you know, wait, he was in Independence Day. Yeah, oh, yeah, who was he? In? He's the Air Force officer that said Air, Air, uh, Area Fifty One. Uh, okay, rescues uh, the president when he's being, uh, or when Oaken's being, uh, when Data's being choked by the thing with the tentacles, <laughs> and the president goes, "Are these are these are these bulletproof?" No, sir. <laughs> That's him. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Been a long time since he's long time since he's been today. They're making a two and a three. <laughs> I still know Will Smith from what I've heard. That'll go along great with Mrs. Doubtfire too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do we want to open Why that can of worms now, or just to let it lie? <laughs> and Goonies too. Yeah. That one I'm actually a little okay with. Depends on how they do it. Yeah. But Mrs. Doubtfire two. Yeah. No. Doesn't need it. Anyway, so uh, we did that, and then Mel and I actually, uh, in between all of my studying and paperwork, uh, I took advantage of every down moment that I had, and we knocked out a couple movies. We watched About Time. Oh, what'd you think? Oh, it's wonderful! You need to see it. I didn't like it as much as I liked... um, Love Actually? Yeah, the other one. (laughs) Love Actually. Love Actually. I, I almost... It was it was right there. Level action. It's about the uh, astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see that movie now. <laughs> it was a little dull until he got to the moon. A sequel to Apollo 13. And then, and then it got real exciting. <laughs> uh, no, Love Actually. I didn't like it as well as I liked Love Actually. Um, but it was really, 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 really good. And I loved the time travel aspects and the fact that they gave us just enough to go, okay, but not enough to really explain it. I was okay with that. And then tackled some issues that you were like, well, what what would happen if they did this? Yeah. And then they did that. And then they did that. <laughs> but the genius part of this movie 
is that, it, okay, first of all, it's a romantic comedy. Secondly, it's a time travel movie. So automatically, there's two sets of tropes. And they start to move toward this direction. And you're going, oh, don't do that. You're going to time traveler's you, wife it. You can't possibly be that stupid that you're going to go and do that. And then he doesn't. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then the next scenario comes up. And you're like, oh, dude, really? <laughs> and then he doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's a very smart you know it's well done it was just it was just really good and of course Bill Nye's in it so that a thousand points for Bill Nye because <laughs> he's just cool um, it's a great directorial end for Richard Curtis is he retiring? from directing not from writing Aww. just from directing which he's only done like four now isn't the guy that plays uh, the, the main guy oh, in Don Hall Gleason yeah isn't he going to be in uh, yeah he's going to be in Star Wars which Weasley is he? He's Fred, Fred, or, Fred, Fred or George, right? Fred. No, 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 no. no. Uh, not Fred. Neither Bill. 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 Yeah. Oh, he's Bill. He's the oldest. Okay. The Weasley brothers are their last name is Phelps. I can't remember their first names. But... They will be Fred and George from this day forward. <laughs> yeah. Bill. Bill Weasley. Sorry, boys. <laughs> Fred and George. So Bill Weasley's in it, but um, yeah, just a wonderful movie. Just really, really, really good. You need to watch it. We loved it. And then we watched. Um, if you liked it. it Stands to breeze, then I'll hate it. Yeah, but <laughs> you guys both yeah, like Love really. Actually. Yeah. Oh, I love. It. And actually, you got I, me to watch it. I, I like. Loved uh, it, so what's his name? Uh, you just said his name. Whatever. Richard Curtis. Thank you, yeah. Richard Curtis. What's all he way, done? All the way back to his black hat. He wrote Vincent uh, <laughs> and the Doctor. Really? Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that. That's it, that's why we like that one so we much. Reported, I think we reported on the fact that he was doing about time long ago when they just said he's going to make yeah. a time travel movie. And this is the same Richard Kidder, uh, Richard Curtis. Thank Curtis. you, Richard Curtis, that did Black Adder series with uh, Rowan Atkins, right? I believe so. That would explain why Rowan Atkinson was in Love Actually and why Bill Nye's in everything, including Vincent the Doctor. Yeah. He yes. said, "I've got somebody to play the museum curator. You just need to call him. I've been calling him for years." Oh, and he also did Bean. Yeah, that's right. He was the co-creator of Bean. Oh, really? Mr. Bean, Bean or Mr. Bean? I think both. <laughs> well, well, that's different. The Americanized version, well, the movie version. I'm sure he had some hand in, but it was. Let me see. That was he cashed the check. Yeah. <laughs> now, Mr. Bean. No, he wrote goes Bean. On holiday. He wrote and he wrote. I know Mr. He did, Bean. But what I'm saying is, no, he wrote Bean. He wrote the Bean, movie. The movie. Yes. And wrote Mr. Bean the series. Yes. What I'm saying is, he he co-created Mr. Bean. And he just wrote being <laughs> for an American audience is what he did. Well, he still wrote ep- episodes of Mr. Bean. Well, but once you've created it, you don't have to go back and recreate it. You just write a new episode borrowing all the best bits of what you previously did. Well, that's, that's what, what he did. they did for Bean. You know? well, that's what he did for Bean. Yeah. He wrote it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. this is only his third movie he's directed. Love Actually was the first and Pirate Radio was the second. Mm. Did he write Pirate Radio? I believe so. Oh. Now I need to see Pirate Radio. Which was good. I, I enjoyed that, that one. Did you did you like it? I enjoyed it. Well, it, didn't do it was very different, but I liked it. It's got a lot of it's got the pantheon of actors too. Good word use. Thank you. I like, I like his work. So then we watched um forty seven Ronin. Oh, how was that? Is it Tom Cruise in that? <laughs> That's the other one. Oh. That's no, just Keanu Ronin. Reeves is in this one. Keanu Reeves is in oh, this yeah, one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Uh, Tom Cruise was in God, Last Samurai. So disconnected on movies anymore. Uh, it was okay. It, it, there, there, I, I, don't get me wrong, I liked it. Um, I wanted to like it more than I did. And there are parts of it that definitely had some problems. Mel really, really, really liked it. Um, but we didn't, 
we, we've heard a bunch of people kind of poo-poo it, and eh, it's not very good. I didn't think it was horrible. Um, it just probably wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But it certainly wasn't the steaming pile that other people <laughs> claimed that it was. Yeah. And then we watched X-Men to get caught up. Oh, and yes. then we watched X2. So I'm a third of the way there. You guys are up to what? On we'll do, Friends? Tomorrow night we'll do X-Men Origins of Wolverine. I'm not going to be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment I thought, well, maybe... No. Take the day off. Yeah, no. Watch Last Stand tomorrow. Well, I'd still have to watch Last Stand during the day. That's what I'm saying. Take the day off tomorrow. <laughs> no. watch yeah, the you last don't stand. necessarily need two origins of prequel. <laughs> <laughs> and do I've decided after what... Hmm? Do you own origin? I've never seen it. I know, but do you I know own I don't it? own it. <laughs> okay. I think we went over this last time. Yeah. yeah we did. Um, and I've decided that uh, X2... Is the Empire Strikes Back of that trilogy? Sure. Except oh. for the ending. Can we talk about it? Why not? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to fly the spoiler flag or not. But No, no, gosh, no. Okay, so... If, if it's not just now in theaters or just now on DVD, spoil away. Okay, spoilers. Um, I, I don't... I, it's not that I don't like the ending with Jean sacrificing herself to save everybody because it's necessary. She's got to die in order for the whole Phoenix thing to take off. It's how it happens. It's how it happens. Because it's <laughs> dumb. Unnecessary. She gets off the ship and they're complaining about there's no power. The engine has died. and we need. He, it's, Cyclops even says, we need an external power source. She gets off the ship and goes, Whoa, and picks the thing up and all the switches flip on and the power comes back. It's like, how? That's not one of her mutant powers. To go and turn an engine on, you know. I mean, she could tell Connecticut, but you saw Last Stand, though, right? Yeah. But there's no juice. That was the problem. That's why he said we need an external power source. Yeah, but one now, could argue that the Phoenix abilities yeah. give the power source. Hey. That's, that's what I. Would. So she's holding the ship up with this hand, and then she's blocking this immense wall of water with her other hand. And you've got a plane full of mutants, and nobody could help out. Yeah, that, that's. That, I, I don't have a well, problem with the fact that she restores power of the plane. To. My problem is, is that nobody got out to help her. Nobody got out to help her. Well, you, at least you, Nightcrawler tried. They just and all Gene blocked it. I, they I, all just watch her die. Yeah, I, I, I've seen enough yeah. cartoon X Men and and one or two graphic novels to know that. They don't do that. You could have teamed up. You could have had Storm could have electrified the plane with a bolt of lightning to jumpstart the engine, and that would have helped out. Iceman could have been out there trying to freeze the lake to prevent her from having to hold all of it back. That would have helped. You've got a whole ship full of mutants that could have helped, and nobody did anything except for give this to Well, Rogue could have. Goodbye. Oh, wait. Useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, as she is. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's like, okay. I, I don't get it. But yeah, yeah. heck, for that matter, Cyclops could have been optic blasting the lake and turning it into steam, so they she didn't have to hold it back. <laughs> I don't know. Just, at, at least le- attempt. At le- yeah. I, at least even, even if you even fail, if it's, you fail, even if at you least fail, make an attempt. Don't just everybody stand there and watch her. <laughs> Where's Jean? Uh oh. <laughs> well, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> Put your sad faces on. Yeah. But so you know, there's that. But other than that, it's the pinnacle of movie making. Everything about that film is awesome. That was my week. I can't believe you didn't go to Omaha. I thought you guys would be (laughs) talking about your Omaha trip. How's your sister? She's good. That's why you didn't go to Omaha. That's why I didn't go to Omaha. Um, Before that, 
We watched Jobs. Hmm. It was actually pretty good. The Ashton Kutcher. The Ashton Kutcher. I thought Ashton Kutcher did a good job. Uh, and I'm, I've never been a big hater of his. I don't like his comedy, but... And the one drama I've seen, I thought he was really good in. So... And that the wasn't butterfly the effect. Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> um, it was interesting. Uh, I didn't know a lot of that. I felt like they could have dug deeper into who he was as a person than they did in the movie. It's kind of the cliff notes. And then early cliff notes. So it wasn't as spanning of his career as it could have been. But it was interesting. You saw was... they're making a third biopic now of Steve Jobs. Is that the uh, David Fincher one? Uh, might be. It's supposedly set around the three big eye announcements. Yeah. iPod, iPad, and yeah. iPhone. See, and that's pretty much... But it's also supposed to be in real time, which is like... That's not pretty What? Yeah. Like the well, movie, if, if, if it's a ninety-minute movie, it's going to take up ninety minutes of. Well, those didn't all launch. I know. I don't time. get it. Well, and that's something, and that, and that's if they're well, doing I that, that day. Fine. In the matter of ninety minutes, they announced all three of those things. <laughs> and Apple took over the world. <laughs> they started the movie with the iPod announcement, but they don't go back there at the end, and it's all before that. It's it it, it ends shortly after he gets control of the company again. Hmm. So, I mean, it kind of... Yep, and then he t- conquers the world, kind of. So, uh, it was really interesting on the forming of Apple. Then he died. Apple. <laughs> sure, he did. Well, he did eventually. What are you going to do with the world after you have it? <laughs> then you die. And then we did the tweet along, the X-Men Last Stand. Yeah, we watched that on Wednesday. How'd that go? Uh, it was fine. It, there was it, a lot of bashing from Chrissy, but... <laughs> otherwise, and, and me and Brittany trying to defend it. It wasn't as good as I remember it. I'll give it that. I, I was just filling in the uh, comic crossover <laughs> information. I think it's pretty much all I was really getting. Because I was under the impression so many of those characters were made up, and that's not the case. Uh, so what this translates is to that Glenn would lob one out there to see who would fight over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, was more of a, no. It was more of it was more of a fact checking from Keith I was put like, something <laughs> out there, and then I'd say, well, actually, and then he was like, really? Well, what was it? And then so I got into a conversation with Keith and I, him asking me, well, was this a character? Yep. Which one? Which one? Which one? So wait, that, bastard, hor- that hor- bastardizes their powers. That but- <laughs> horrible blowfish character was actually somebody. The yeah. horrible blowfish. Yeah, the, the one. Miles? Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Yeah. It was different. Was that different powers? Different too? powers. Yeah. So they used a name, but gave different powers. So ah. they're essentially new characters that they gave the same name to. Psylocke. She was. She's Psylocke was I, uh, there. Yeah. I caught something next too that I'd never seen before. When Mystique goes into uh, Stryker's lab and she's pulling up the files on his computer and getting all the information, it's got a list of uh, mutants, yeah. known mutants, and one of them is. Uh, 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 Remy, what's his name? Uh, Gambit. Gambit. One of the Gambit's name is on the screen. I went, oh. hey, there's a, that's where he is. So apparently he is in the movie. Well, his name. <laughs> He's also an X-Men old, uh, Origins movie. <laughs> I'll get there. I haven't seen that I like that portrayal more yeah. than I think I would like well, the, 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 the one. I thought possible. the portrayal was fine. It was the destroying the whole comic book chronology. And well, it destroyed the entire movie chronology, too. Yeah, well, that and... <laughs> That's what I have a bigger problem actually, with. I don't even have that much of a problem. We'll, obviously, we'll talk about this next <laughs> week, but 
I'm an apologist for all of the X-Men films. I, I'm, I'm uh, even even with all of the inconsistencies and continuity errors and comic book crossover crap falls. I am fine with them. I just sit and I enjoy them. But the one thing that I cannot get past is the horrible, horrible, horrible job they do with Deadpool and X-Men Wolverine. Origins of Wolverine. Well, and Deadpool was... Horrible, horrible. Well, he started out fine. I was okay with enough the talk. It was very in character for Deadpool. That's what I've heard. And, 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 yeah, it's I've heard that whole movie is actually pretty good up until about the three-quarter mark, and then it just... You know what the best thing about that movie was? The ending? The video game. That's yes. The video game was awesome. The video game was incredible. Well, part of it also was they didn't hold back and went, got an M rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, so it was gory. Well, And, and, and they, that's realistic for Wolverine. They expounded on the story, too. They went places that I didn't expect they would go. Yeah. Uh, then I also <sighs> did a tweet along with Brittany to Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, since I sorry, didn't that I one. didn't make it. I was... Oh, I forgot how, how much I enjoyed that movie. Really? Yeah, I liked it. I think it was a fine movie. I just, I I watched it and thought it was good. It didn't meet expectations for me, but I thought it was a fine I think reboot. Were, I didn't have any problems with it. I think there were a lot more subtleties I picked up this time than the first. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. I remember liking it. I don't remember being blown out of the theater by it. But having said that, we popped Spider Man One uh, in the monitors at the store. So of course we're not really watching it because we're working <laughs> and there's no audio. So I'm not really paying attention to it anyway. But every time I would look up at it, I marveled at the fact that, wow, this really didn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> now, Spider-Man 2, I think, probably is better. But, See, I mean, for a while, Spider-Man... Oh, Spider-Man was, 2 is... Yeah. Sp- to Spider- me, is the best Spider-Man movie. It, yeah, I agree. Ever. I agree. It's Spider-Man so 2 is in my top five all time. Yeah. Ever. See, I, I remember movies. walking away from but, both Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 not being blown away by him either. Yeah. And I, I, I so found Amazing Spider-Man better, I thought, than the other one. See, I didn't like it as much as I liked 2, but I think I liked it's it better than 1. I've seen 2, though. And 2, yeah, I remember two liking so 2 a lot. Good. So good. Um, but then, I didn't go to Omaha because my sister came in town, and I did a lot of running around getting ready for that on Saturday before going to pick her up. You have a sister? I have a sister. <laughs> did you go see Spider-Man 2? Yes. Oh, you're getting there. Sorry. I'm getting there. <laughs> so I went and picked up my sister, and we came back and had dinner, and then we went all went and got, went and saw Spider-Man 2 Saturday night. How was it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. It's getting really bad reviews. It's getting really bad I see, bad I don't understand reviews. why it's getting bad reviews. That's what Robert and uh, somebody else I would put it on say. par with Spider-Man 2. Which uh, you just got done saying that you which, didn't like as much as we did. Well, Spider-Man 2 is in trouble. I think it's a good uh, step in the... Well, no, I like Spider-Man 2 the best out of that trilogy. But I think I liked Amazing Spider-Man better than Spider-Man 2. But that's how I can compare it, is... I think Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 2 is even better than Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, oh, I see what he's I saying. I, 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 that, that's where I'm I got you. That was lost, too, but I see what you're going with. The original Spider-Man trilogy is here to me. not necessarily the movie parallel. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, because there are very little movie parallels to Spider-Man 2. And I think that's one of the reasons I liked it so much. Was it... And, and Amazing Spider-Man. Is it... Aside... Even with the origin... They changed stuff enough that I didn't feel like I was rewatching a movie with different actors. Yeah, yeah. 
And I and well, this it one that especially Amazing Spider-Man farmed a lot of the origins. Well, it changed some of the things that Spider that the first Spider-Man movie did right. It went with more of the core origin. Oh, and it of the fixed character. some things that yeah. Spider-Man didn't do right. right, like the mechanical web shooters. Right. And Amazing Spider-Man does something I wished, or Amazing Spider-Man Two does something I wish Amazing Spider-Man would have done. Which was include some drama which was with a the better costume, <laughs> which the costume is a little bit better, uh, but better some drama with the mechanical web shooters. Uh, yeah. See, which, I think that's the problem I have with the mechanical. Everybody was so up in arms over oh, there's no web shooter, but, but it, it makes it's, sense. You're bitten by a radioactive biological spider. You're going to develop egg sacs that shoot out. Okay, I'm fine with that. I, <laughs> I got no problem with that at all. Because if you have mechanical web shooters at some point in time in your film, they're going to break down, and there's just going to be the tense moment where he falls off a building. That's what I. I don't see, care. He's Spider Man. He's going to get out of this. But, but they they did that situation, but better. It wasn't a oh no, I'm going to fall off the building. They did it in a way that made sense, and it's like oh yeah okay. I reserve judgment. How they handled oh, the drama of that. No, I think I know something from that. I'm just presuming. I don't think he did. Okay. Uh, He's not of, able to save somebody. <laughs> it hit a lot of great notes. Uh, I think the weakest <laughs> part of it might be the villains. Too many of them? No. No. Um, I, I heard but, that I heard Rhino's in, only in it for like eight minutes well, at the, tops. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Green Goblin isn't even in that much. And he, he's not. I've it's, heard they've cut stuff that was in the trailer. Well, that wasn't yeah, in the movie. yeah, they did. Uh, what, I hate when but they do that. <laughs> I don't think these villains could have held their own movie, anyways. No, they're all going to be in the Sinister Six. But the but there wasn't one. enough story there for them to be a standalone villain for Spider-Man. Did you know Venom's a good guy in the comics now. That doesn't surprise me. That's a standard comic. The trope, only reason I know that is because I uh, picked popular. up that Guardians of the Galaxy free comic book day. Oh. Tony's sending him off to help the Guardians. Uh, <clears throat> and it's Flash. Thompson. Oh, nice. So I really enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man 2. Hmm. And we saw actually saw it in 3D. Hmm. I've heard actually the, the uh, I, I, I Cinema Blend gave it a pretty good score. I didn't go and look up Cinema Blend. The, we did, the only reason we went to 3D was it was better timing. We got done with dinner. Yeah. We missed the eight o'clock showing. Sometimes the next one was three D and okay. We'll they they, they, they said uh, Cinema Blend gave it pretty high marks across the board, with the exception of the coming out of the screen. You're talking effect. about the three D aspects. Yeah, the three D okay. aspects yeah. of it. Uh, and they said you would think it's a Spider Man movie that it would be ripe for let's go pokey in the eye, Which and they didn't. I, I like but. that they don't do that with in three D when they don't do that in three D because I find that annoying. Of Oh, we're just going to constantly throw stuff at the screen. Where that's why we have 3D. We're going to throw stuff. Well, if it's yeah, because I'm going to throw stuff back at you. <laughs> it's it, it that, that's when 3D feels gimmicky to me. This well, it's still it a gimmick. It's still a gimmick, yes. But this felt more like the depth, like it did with Hobbit, like Avatar and Tron, yeah, and Tron. And there was some stuff flying through, but it really gave more depth. And I really can't compare it until I see it in 2D. Hmm. I don't think seeing it in 2D will suffer at all. But I, I enjoyed it in 3D. Okay. My buddy, my buddy at work saw it, and he, he was he said it was fine up until about... He, he said there's a climax, and then there's an ending, and then there's this huge letdown because it just keeps going, and then there's a 20-minute thing, and then there's another villain, and it's just like, 
Movie ended. Where are you going with all this? <laughs> so, but I'll, I'll, reserve, I, I'll reserve judgment. I, I could see some of that, but I also had a feeling of something that was coming, and they hadn't gotten there yet. So. It's like a Doctor Who episode. Should we talk? You've got to escape from this prison at least once more before we can, <laughs> before we can wrap things up. There was, have you guys seen the stuff about the post-credit scene? Yeah. No. Yes. Do you want to? I, 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 I don't know. know. Sure, because it doesn't matter. It's a clip from X Men: Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. <sighs> really? Yeah. Lame. Really lame. I'm gonna call that now. Well, and I heard it was lame. a trailer, but it's actually a clip. Yeah, it's just a clip. No setup, hardly anything. It's <laughs> see a couple characters, they fight a little bit, and then it's over. Is it uh, Mystique breaking? Yeah, okay. I'll go. That's, that's actually really surprising, yeah, though, from the standpoint well, that it Spider-Man is Sony and well, X-Men is Fox. It was a deal cut with the studios. I think they realized. I looked it up, th- and what happened was Mark Webb has a contract to do another Spider that's or another right. Fox film. That's right. Because he did Fifty Days of Summer, and he hasn't fulfilled his two movie contract with them. Well. He backed out of doing another movie with them to do Amazing Spider-Man 2. And so part of that agreement is allowing them to promote it within the film or post-credits. And then... It's, it's, it's okay. Oh. It's not going to hurt <laughs> ah, me. Well, I didn't know if it was going to fall and hit your computer. Oh. Um, and then also extend his movie contract to three movies. Oh, for Spider-Man. Or Fox. <clears throat> So now he has to do two more movies. In oh, gosh. oh let, let me think about this. I'm required to come make another here's, film. Here's, here's the thing. Uh, all right. it, it won't be a Spider-Man movie, though. So, so. Here's the thing. Sounds like he's not going to do if Sinister If you're Six going anyway, so. to do these movies, play nice with the other studios, well, yeah. and realize that it's only a double benefit for everybody. That's why I think that... That's why Sony, Sony really needs to play should nice with allow... Spider-Man in the Avengers. Should he be a big main character? No. Should he be a nice nod cameo pic- scene? Yes. It's only going to benefit your well, see, series. And I remember seeing set pictures. Same thing with Wolverine. Been, I remember seeing set pictures and it could have been from deleted stuff that was with Mary Jane that ended up not making it in the film. Of, or it could have been somebody's personal motorcycle that had a Stark emblem on it. Wasn't in the movie anymore. <laughs> cool. And that would make sense with Rhino, et cetera, et cetera. You guys are playing in the same sandbox. You need to get play. along. Yeah. Get along. Well, I didn't realize that under the terms of the agreement that Fox owns the word mutant. Yep. Yeah. That that's, that's, that's part like of their X Men. So, yeah, in any of those characters that do wind up appearing in. The the, tr- the Marvel so Universe true. There's, there's only they're two. changing the backstory altogether there's because a, they yeah, can't use there's it. There's only two crossover characters right now, and that's the Red or Red Witch. Almost did Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Scarlet and Witch, Quicksilver. Yeah. But and they're like mega humans or something like that. I can't remember what Inhumans. Mar- right Inhumans. That's what uh, Marvel's decided. To Which really adds more depth to the actual universe of Marvel than from what I understand of Inhumans. Because yeah. Inhumans are. Long time ago, aliens came to Earth and bred with humans, and that's how we got Inhumans. Kind of another take on the whole why they mutate. Huh. So they're almost half. They're half alien or partially. Alien. We got way off change. <laughs> so who built the pyramids? <laughs> aliens. Uh, Sunday we went to Hutchinson and went to the salt mines or the underground salt mine. Did you find any Doctor Who? Made you go last because you're going to make mine look lame. <laughs> 
My weekend was Which was salt. really neat. I did not expect the underground salt mine to be as cool as it was. It even brought back a chunk of salt. Ooh. You know, I <laughs> practically spent... I spent a good chunk of my childhood in Hutchison, Kansas, because that's where my parents are from and my grandparents lived there. Never went. I've still never been to the salt mine. <laughs> it was really neat. And it's bizarre being in a place where if you turn off the lights, there is absolute darkness. And they did an example of that. And, yeah, you can't see your hand in front of your face. Sensory deprivation. It was really, really cool. Uh, I have some pictures I've posted. Uh, Did you buy the salt or did they give it to you? uh, One of the rides you can do, like there's a train ride you you take, and there's a tram ride, and you get a piece of rock on the tram ride. You pay for the tram ride, but... You're tempted to sit there and click on that thing. I know you're not supposed to. Well, they've explained how... This is what they put on the road. This is not what you put on your table. Yeah. <laughs> it still tastes the same. No, not quite. <laughs> I was on the way back home. A little bit of dirt. And Megan poured some of the smaller pieces in my hand, and there she took them back, and there was little pieces, and so I jokingly went like this, and a piece flew into my mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's like having salt water in your mouth. One's out there at uh, you know in the ice and the snow, the one cup for the driveway. <laughs> one cup for me, one cup for the driveway. That's salt rock, though. That's different. Uh, did you know they had, uh, I don't know what actual film they have, because I think what they have on display and what they're actually storing are two separate sections. Uh, the Mr. Free suit and the Batman suit from that movie. Yeah, complete with that. bat nipples. Really? I have mm-hmm. heard that. I didn't know that. And uh, Dean Cain's Superman suit. And the Metropolis model from... Uh, uh, Superman Returns. So Warner Brothers obviously uses the salt mine. Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> well, uh, there's copies of Gone with the Wind. I think Wizard of Oz. I thought there was Gone with the Wind costumes, but I didn't. There, they didn't have any. There, there's there. actually film cameras. There's actually film cameras from a yeah. lot of Warner Brothers films. They had a display they, of the of how they have them set up. They get the sure studios empty. rent their own vaults. There's like they got full vaults. Well, that's where they found. Um, Whatever the last one was, was it Clockwork Orange or 2001? One of the Stanley Kubricks, they found extra footage in Dorothy one of these things that they didn't know was down there. Dorothy 2? From Twister? Oh. I think that they sent up in the, yeah. <laughs> the sequel to Wizard of Oz. The sequel to Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, Dorothy 2. Dorothy 2. And uh, Mr. Smith's suit from Matrix Revolutions. Cool. Cool. Yeah, and then we went to the Cosmophere, which was. The Cosmophere? Cosmophere? The Cosmophere. The Cosmophere. We're all having issues with talking tonight. And in between Ada Fazoli, so ha. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. So, of the three of us in the room, raise your hand if you had Fazoli's this weekend. Oh, yeah. I hate you guys. <laughs> you know what? Next weekend, I'm going to Kansas City and Wichita, and I'm eating Fazoli's both times. You go, boy. Okay, I'm, I'm not really, but. Uh, did, you, did you try the cheesecake? The Nutella? The yeah. Nutella. But my, Megan and Dad and Carol had never been to Fazoli's before. <gasps> and they New were, people. They were amazed by the breadsticks. Yeah, I was that's too. All the, that's all that's really amazing about yeah. it. The, the box <laughs> the is, is fine. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's cheap, but good. Four-minute lasagna. It's good. It's <laughs> Bam. Good. But it's not It's not phenomenal. It's that's just four-minute lasagna. The, the breadsticks. Oh, and then you brought me breadsticks. I you had me at hello. Um, they have a, a, for a special limited time only, they have this... Um, Chocolate and peanut butter cheesecake that's made with Nutella. Well, it's got it's it's like a chocolate cheesecake, and then it's got Nutella spread on top. Yeah, well, it's something inside of it too, I think. But I, I, I don't. Know. I'm not a big chocolate fan, but we were like, eh, okay, ooh, it was really good. I don't like. Oh, cheesecakes. Very rich. <laughs> yeah. Did it taste like cheesecake? 
Or did it taste more like chocolate? Chocolate cheesecake. Well, you know, some chocolate cheesecake has that cheesecake flavor. Yeah, Others but taste n- more Nutella like doesn't pie. exactly taste like chocolate. It, I mean, no, it does. It doesn't it's, taste it's like peanut butter either. It's, it's more just weird. Well, it's hazelnut. It's hazelnut yeah. in cocoa is what n- Nutella yeah. is, is basically. Which co- 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 so co- I can is, make my own? Cocoa. Essentially, Cocoa yeah. is essentially <laughs> what's in chocolate, but... It's that more. It's that less milk chocolatey taste and more robust, robust cocoa taste and hazelnut. Maybe maybe it was because it was coming off of the lasagna and the breadsticks, but it was really good. I was tempted, but we didn't. You should try it next time. Oh, they're gonna have it for a while. So when we all go up to Omaha for British Fest, we can. Oh, there we go. We'll grab a slice. Right there. And the Cosmosphere was pretty cool. I'd been before, but I don't remember it. Well, they really revamped it. It, it seemed very familiar, years. but I don't know if that was just because it wasn't that long ago they went to the Air and Space Museum. Did they get an SR-71 down there yet? I think so. They were talking about it at one point in time. I don't know if they ever did. They were talking about getting well, the space shuttles, too, but I don't think well, they did. Well, they didn't get the space shuttles. Oh, well, they're, they're supposed they're, to I don't know if, this, if the, the big space shuttles. There's a big plan hanging in the lobby, Story. and I can't tell if that's a real one or a mock one. That's. A, I think it's fake. I think so, yeah. too. Because the sh- well, it, because if you look, it's kind of the back half of it kind of not melds into the wall, but is part of that backdrop. Well, yeah, and then there's another one that's, I mean, in, that's in the, the exhibit. This, this was like a black... The NASA 71 is the big black yeah. stealth plane. That's yeah. what it looked like. But I don't know if it was an actual one or not. They didn't, there wasn't a big to-do about it. If it was a real. Because hmm. of the... Uh Air and Space, uh, the Strategic Air and Space Museum outside of Omaha, they've got a, a, oh, yeah. a, a real one. And there is a big to-do about it. Because yeah, I would think there would be a bigger to-do about it. So, maybe it's a fakie. I thought they were getting one, though. Of course, the last time I was down there, they were still in that tiny little building that was attached to the high school. So, or the middle school, whatever it was. So, Uh-oh. they probably redesigned it a lot since... What? I was there. Yeah, well, it used to be this to big. <laughs> oh, are you talking about like, the science been. building? Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's the Cosmosphere and then there's a science building right next yeah, to it. Yeah, but that's not, that wasn't part, I mean, they, that was part of a middle school years ago, but not before it was a Well, there's, before it was the high school is still across the street. The high school is. Yeah, but back back in the day, not, it, it was it grew up, there. Grew up, practically grew up there. It was, it's never but you never been went part, to the salt mine. It's never <laughs> been part of the middle school. It utilized it, that. The, the science park used to be one of the middle school buildings, but it was never part of the middle school. The science building's always been classroom stuff for the Cosmosphere. In fact, that's where Space Camp was when I grew up. Oh. Okay, it right. Was never, so it was, during, so well, it's been over really part, of, part of the school. And it's still there. That building's still there. But they've added on and built on. It was a small building the last time I was there. It was like <laughs> well, they, this big. They've built a huge uh, well, foyer I, entryway. And oh, that's all there's Yeah, that's all there's yeah, 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 yeah. And they got that launch pad area. No. So there's like a, the engine's. That's that's been there for a while. That? You just okay. that, New to me. that single thing. No, it's always been there. It was it, that was their crown jewel when they opened. Was it sits outside in front near the sign? Right. And it's just one of those big engines off of Apollo. One of the Apollos. I don't remember which one. Eight, I think. It is. New to me. Yeah, <laughs> but it was there. You probably just didn't see it because it's it's been there since it opened. Because I was there when it opened. I didn't want to go when it opened, but it was. The first year it opened, I it was like there. this big. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't estimate our time properly, so we got there a little later, and then the salt line took a lot longer than we thought. Mm. So we only got to do the uh, the actual Cosmosphere so didn't see exhibit. We didn't go get to go to the uh, planetarium or anything like or that. The yeah, yeah, but which real- apparently soon Captain America Winter Soldier is going to be shown on the dome. 
Ooh. That would be kind of neat. Watch. Yeah. I don't want to watch blockbuster movies on curved screen. I like the the gimmicky ones that they do, but I don't. I don't want to see the. The Incredible. I don't think I've ever seen one on the curved screen. So Sarah and I want to go back sometime and do the. They used to call that the Omnisphere, is what the theater was called. But I think that's what they still call, what it's still called. Yeah. And go do that, and the Planetarium, I think is what it's called, and whatnot. That was what we did this week. Yeah, if you're going to go to a curved screen, I want to watch roller coasters or hang gliding over the right, Grand Canyon right. or something. That's that's, like, and that's what they yeah. used to do. I, in fact, I saw Speed there. I saw, uh, what was the one with the train that comes at you? <laughs> uh, I was like 10 years old, scared to crap out <laughs> I knew it was fake, but that train was still coming. I'm right surprised that's not a new thing right now with all of the GoPro stuff being as popular as it is with these extreme sports. You'd think somebody'd be editing all of that together and going, "Free films for everybody." Here you go. <laughs> Problem with that is you have to, for those particular projectors, you have to shoot it on a certain kind of film. Yeah, you got to shoot in what that seventy millimeter, ninety millimeter, whatever it is. It's ninety, I think. Yeah, it's a really big camera. It was like this big. <laughs> Well, you walk by the room where you can see in, and you can see the spool for that thing, and it's mm-hmm. like massive. Because it was a true IMAX at the time it before they it's still before is. IMAX started yeah. doing movie theaters. Well, it still is an IMAX, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Before the the IMAX theaters per se. Did you see that for 1.2 million IMAX will come out and install a theater in your house? Yeah, <laughs> it's to their it's THX certified yeah. to their specifications with the Dolby lasers and the whole bit. And they, I think they, it was on IO nine or something. They'll build that. the screen and the whole bit. It's like, <gasps> ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now just coming up with the money. Yeah, I told Mel I want one. <laughs> you almost have to, depending on your house, you'd almost have to rip out the floor and make one giant room. You well, I don't think they give you like an eight-story screen or anything. If you had $1.2 million to spend on a theater, you'd probably uh, just true. add a room <laughs> onto your house. Or already have the room on the house when you built it with that in mind. Did you do anything else? Nope, that was it. Garage sale. Yep, that was pretty much my weekend. No, we watched X-Men last week, which we covered, and then... Um, Friday morning we got up and we had our first day of our garage sale. We were only open until noon. We did relatively decent. And then uh, Saturday was our big day. We got a, a bunch of people come by Saturday. And then Saturday night <laughs> we did nothing. Seems like we did something. but We took the kids out to pre-comic book day. Well, we did that Saturday morning when uh, Holly, uh, well, Holly and Caitlin watched the store. Oh, Caitlin got strep. Oh. She she was home. She was sick Friday, so she stayed home Friday. She complained of a sore throat, but we kept looking in there. It wasn't that bad. And she's she. I think she's only ever gotten strep once. It was a long time ago. And even though Mason had just got over it, we thought she doesn't exhibit all these symptoms of strep. She just has a sore throat. And we just, but it wasn't going away. And but so Sunday morning, or yeah, Sunday afternoon, Molly took her to the doctor. And she came back, and they said, well, the, the initial strep test, the first one, didn't show, didn't come up positive. So they said, there's still a chance she probably doesn't have it, but they, thought, they said, let's put her on antibiotics just in case. Luckily they did, because the culture came back Monday, and she was positive. So uh, um, That sucks. And then yesterday, Mason's throat was feeling bad, and I knew exactly what he had, <laughs> so we took him this morning, and he's on his third round of strep. So. Oh. Hopefully we'll get all over this, and then he's getting his tonsils out in, in June. 
But anyway, yeah, so Saturday morning we went to um, Vintage Stock and uh, got some free comic books, and then we went over to another comic book store in town and got free comic books there, and then went back. Uh, Sunday, I finally decided since it was Star Wars Day, I probably should, at long last, <laughs> introduce my son to the, to the uh, saga. So, and I, another reason I hadn't done it yet is because I, first of all, I've been waiting until I got it on Blu-ray, which I still don't. But I've got, them on, I've got them on DVD, so they're fine. And uh, my second thought is I've been mulling over how he's going to do this, whether it was going to start <laughs> with four or whether it was going to start with one. And I found that when it came down to it, and part of it was a conversation that he and I had when I was trying to explain to him how the four, five, and six had come out when I was his age. And one through three had come out when, just before Caitlin was born. Well, the last one came out shortly before Caitlin was born. And he didn't get it. And I thought, <laughs> if he doesn't get it by me explaining this to him, he's going to be very lost if I start with episode four. Yeah. So I thought, based on the linear nature of, of how they are structured now, somewhat, we started with one. Because I, I've always said, I don't, I'm not a hater. I don't hate Phantom Menace at all. It has its weaknesses, but I love the movie. I absolutely, I get a thrill every time I see it. I get a, a flashback to that moment of sitting in the theater after 20 years or nearly 20 years, and the logo comes up, and the, the, the Star Wars comes up, and the crawl comes up, and just that moment of elation that, that it's back, despite you know how poor some of the story is. And so. I decided that that's that's what I'm going to do is and and I even tossed out or tossed around although I've ne- I haven't done it myself and it's kind of a clever idea. I even thought about doing the machete. <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> heard of that until the Big Bang episode. Yeah, it's I, I read it about it. You heard of this last? Yeah. I re- I heard about it last um, Star Wars Day about a year ago, but I didn't think much about it, and I came across it again several months back. Might have been even been before the end of the year, and I read about it. It's called the Machete Order, and there's a really good, much better way that I'm going to explain it right up that a guy came up with, actually a group of guys came up with, on why this is, is very supportive. But the idea is is that you watch the movies in order of episode four and five, and you don't spoil the reveal for yourself uh, of Vader being Luke's father. So you don't, you, that, that you is end, that revelation... That oh, revelation. Okay. No, you, no, no. You still watch the whole movie. You still watch okay. the whole movie, but that revelation isn't spoiled for you because you haven't watched anything prior to that. Then you watch two and three as flashback stories, essentially, to fill in the 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 gap and where they've come to that point. And then you go back and watch Return of the Jedi. And they said that the it, what really works really well is the fact that after you've watched uh, Vader. The culmination in him become Vader. The next, the very next scene you see <laughs> is him walking down the ramp, and it's a real powerful moment at the beginning. It's still you still frame it in the sense that this is this is you know the it, that's not the way it, you know. It, it's so where do you put one? Well, Apparently with theirs, with theirs, you leave it off entirely for some of the orthodox, as they called themselves. Um, however, they suggested that if you do, then you watch episode one as the last piece as kind of the hobbit of the whole thing, book-wise, not movie-wise, that it, this is the prequel to everything and how everything was kind of set up because it, it in itself does nothing 
within the it's, structure. It's the of furthest this, away from everything. Yeah, it, yeah, because you don't have to know anything about Qui Gon Jinn. He's absolutely pointless, other than being, other than having a reference. Uh, well, he does have a reference, but he's pointless for most of the series, with the exception of that. Uh, the other thing was that uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you the revelation of Luke and Leia is paid off in Episode Six because. That's where uh, they drop that bomb, so that yeah. it, it pairs well together there as well. But yeah, Phantom Menace is more of a kind of just a throw off. If you if you put it at the very end, it's it's a throw off to this is how you know. Hmm. Why do they call it the Machete Order? I don't remember. It's been you're a while. Chopping the hell out of it. Yeah, I, I guess. I, that's the that's <laughs> that's the idea. Machete. Machete. That's, that's, yeah, no, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the idea. I think behind it. I read all about it like they said years ago. But anyway, it's it's come up again recently because, in fact, uh, Martin Huey, who, uh, who had suggested that on mine, well, yeah, afterwards, the Big Bang brought that up. Thursday's episode yeah, was uh, I saw that May the Fourth Be With You episode, right? And they talked about that a little bit. So that's how I. So anyway, it. from the six-year-old perspective, I thought, you know what? I'm just you, Lucas wants me to do it this way. I'm just going to go with it, and so we did that. And then like the it? other thing that yes, he, he was quite enjoyable. Again, he's sick, so Jar Jar is not an annoyance for him. Um, he probably likes it. He loves the pod race. It was fantastic. There's moments in the film where he kind of lost interest, but it's a lot of that dialogue-driven stuff. Which somebody pointed out to me that, that episodes one, two, and three is a lot of people sitting around talking, and they're right. It really is. It didn't occur to me until I watched Phantom Menace. Um, the other thing that it gave me, kind of joy of knowing is that I'm saving the best for last, in my opinion. So, when we get there, it'll hopefully be more of a treat and a little more enjoyable. So, anyway, so, so you plan on having them all done before 7 comes Oh, out? most definitely. In fact, uh, the idea is, each weekend, we're going to watch one yeah. uh, for the next five weeks. And hopefully, barring anything, you know, we'll have them done probably by midsummer. So, yeah. Um, has he been watching Clone Wars with you? Uh, he did. Back when I was watching periodically, now he was much younger because he was still home. I think it was when he was in preschool. When I was going back through the series again, he would watch occasionally with me. So he was familiar enough with some of the characters and whatnot. But it's been almost two years now. That Are you just going to let him jump in whenever he wants to on that after yeah. you watch the Tactical I think that, well, I think what well, I'll do is I'm not going to keep that linear for him. I'm just going to let him. Well, the show itself isn't linear, apparently. So. Well, I guess that's true, too. But I'm going to pick that up you know, later and see if he's interested in doing that from the beginning. But, uh, that was pretty much that's pretty it. That's, that's all I did this week. I, re- I remember something else. I've been DVRing the real history of science fiction, which we talked about on the show. It's quite enjoyable. Is it good? It's... I, I don't want to make the comparison because this isn't a good comparison, but it's what revisited could have been. But good. Like an hour long, and they... The first three... I'm in the middle of the third one. Uh, the first one talks about, like, artificial life, which was really interesting. And they, they don't touch on absolutely everything. They touch on the high notes of the storytelling. Uh, aliens in space were the second was the second one. And then this third one was Invasions. And there was a very nice chunk about Doctor Who. And the Daleks and Cybermen. And... There were a lot of clips of black and white episodes, oh, yeah. which were pretty neat. And it was like a whole segment of commercial break to commercial break, all Doctor Who, huh. which was nice. Very cool. That yeah. sounds pretty neat. So if if it's available on demand, I haven't gone to look, I would definitely recommend it. And it's narrated by Mark Gatiss. And it's got a 
plethora of people you would recognize. All right, should we move on to news? Let's. Well, the War Doctor is going to return in a novel entitled Engines of War, written by George Mann. The story will fill in some of the blanks of John Hurt's incarnation and events in the Time War leading up to the Day of the Doctor. Uh, Mann teases in a new Doctor Who magazine, new companions, calculating Time Lords, new Dalek paradigms, it's a war story at its heart, set against the backdrop of the great turmoil and chaos. It is also about the Doctor's personal journey, how he ends up where he is at the beginning of Day of the Doctor. He's been through the ringer and the engines of war, and he's not given any reprieve. <laughs> Set to be released in July, uh, end of July. No word yet on when it will be released in the U.S., but I'm sure it will be pretty close to there. That's exciting. I, I, I think I'd like to read more about I don't know how I feel, because even, we've, we've always kind of said that we didn't want to know what happened during the time war. And I'm afraid this is going to fill in too many of those gaps. While Day of the Doctor filled in some gaps. I think you're overstating there, right? You guys well, never okay. wanted to know what happened. <laughs> I've never wanted to. I, didn't, I never wanted them to try to tackle it in one you know, half hour or half hour. An hour, hour, hour long half, special. Yeah, hour, hour and a half long special. But. Well, that's what I think Day of the Doctor did so well was touch on it, but only the ending. Yeah. And so it's, I don't know, it depends on how it's done. It could be very exciting. It could be the story of Martha. I like it. I think it's a lot of great farmed material that that, that has a lot of potential. So, well, it's farmable it, material. It is a great new chapter of the show that we've never been able to touch before. Right. It's like setting a Star Wars book between three and four. It <laughs> was so nothing happened in that wilderness for so long that when it does happen, no matter how good it is, like Allegiance, it's good. But none of that counts anymore. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, um, Matt Smith has been cast in a major role in the new Terminator trilogy. Do 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 do. He is set to first appear in Terminator Genesis in 2015, and his role will grow over the second and third films. He will join Emilia Clarke. Those who don't recognize the actress's name. True. That's Khaleesi in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? She's playing Sarah Connor. Oh. Really? And Zero Dark Thirties Jason Clark is going to be John Connor. Um, who He's also going to be in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh. Huh. Okay. It's got a release date of July 1st, and it's directed by Alan Taylor. July 1st of 2015. 2015, yes. Uh, director of Thor the Dark World and several Game of Thrones episodes. Cool. So congratulations to Matt and his role. It's a brand new role in the story from what I understand. So it's not somebody that's been in the other trilogy. Cool. Who's playing Sarah Connor? Khaleesi. Amelia Clark. She's a... Uh... Mother of Dragons. Oh, Daenerys, Daenerys. Yeah, you said Khaleesi, and which is weird because that's what I called her for the longest time because I couldn't remember her name, and now it did, didn't ring a bell because I had uh, 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 not Daenerys. Daenerys in my head. Okay. Daenerys. I got you. She is Khaleesi because that's 
That's how we ranked the how house I, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's how most people. Well, know that's her. how I remembered her, but now we don't hear Khaleesi Hardy. Because technically, anymore. that's a title. Sorry, you're going to change your name? No. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, faceless assassin. Well, she's been Hodor. she's been Daenerys for the last season to me, and part of that's because nobody calls her anything. Well, now. that's that's because the tribe of Cal or the the uh, the Thraki. Death Rocky, yeah. uh, tribe is so much on the back burner and barely there's there. hardly any of them left. Yeah, too, so. that's why there's less. Uh, well, but your people's is kaput. Yeah, well, well, now, what's his now name? she's Daenerys Stormborn instead of Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, which is how we are, she's actually introduced. Yeah, but yeah, that that, that but now that now that I'm actually on the internet reading things after <laughs> I watch episodes. <laughs> That, that's how they always refer to her. And so it's now, gonna I, be weird to Khaleesi see. is like clear to the back of my mind now. It's going to be kind of weird to see her in a movie with not blonde hair. Yeah, there's a lot of Without pictures of her with her with her regular hair though, hair color. So it's still bizarre to me to see. I, I don't make the connection of that to what it is. Yeah, I can see it in her eyes. It's yeah. very pretty eyes. All right, next up, John. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, well, if you are. Uh, Heading to Galley uh, next year. Hopefully, you have tickets and hopefully, you have your hotel room because there are no more rooms at the inn. Uh, I don't have the exact uh, time frame, but it was very quick, it was very sudden, and then it was over. The uh, 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 Marriott LAX is completely sold out, uh, as is the Renaissance, which is the uh, uh, companion hotel just down the block. And uh, they are both full. So now there's plenty of other hotel uh, options in the area. Some of them are even cheaper than what you could get at the con rate. You just, you got to commute in. Um, a note from Gallifrey staff is uh, apparently people have been calling the hotel and arguing that they deserve a room. <laughs> they would like to kind of remind everybody, please don't do that. <laughs> it's none of their business. They don't, they don't have any control over it. They, they're, you know, this many rooms available, this many rooms sold, that's it. They're, they're full. So that is that. And having said that, if anybody has a room, I, I don't have one. So uh, Mel, Mel and I would like to come stay with you next year. Also, we're doing the DVD or Long Island. Long Island. Uh, Long Island Who has announced a new guest, a pretty major one, Khaleesi. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Who is it, Keith? Ooh, I know who it is, but I know you're dying to tell him. So, Wendy Padbury. Woo! Oh, <laughs> Apparently, she doesn't make many no, uh, U.S. conventions. No, so. that's pretty cool. That's the big guest. There's a couple other small ones, smaller ones. No offense, guys. Uh, Jason I. Ellery from Big, big Finish, Finish. Uh, and a couple of authors are coming back. Oh. Now they have Frasier already, right? Yes. So you get Jamie and Zoe at the same con. That's got to be fun. That's pretty neat. Well, good on them. Yeah. It's shaping up to be a good con. And as always, if anybody's in the area going to LI Who, uh, shoot us your pictures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's November. but November 7th through the 9th. And there's going to be more guests to be announced. Nobody's done with their guest amounts. Of course, Galley hasn't even announced one yet. But, That's true. Uh, nobody's done with their guest amounts. So there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot more throughout the year. So. Oh yeah. Apparently, there's going to be more announcements in the month of May too. This is just the first of the May announcements. 
What's that DVD news? Uh, well, just because we're talking about it this week, uh, Web of Fear has broken all Doctor Who sales DVD records to become the top-selling title in the entire classic Who line. In the UK. In the UK. In the UK. So, so we're that's re- good. We're reviewing number one. That's this good one. news <laughs> for Doctor Who. Unfortunately, it's, it's bad also news bad for news us. for us because that proves that a vanilla release is going to sell big, which means maybe they'll that'll See, uh, kind of prod the uh, BBC to release a special edition with some extras no. and, and stuff. And I, I think... I think most of it, most is because it's the missing episodes, though. I don't think you can just chalk it up to it's an episode, it's a Doctor Who and a vanilla release. Yeah, we can be disappointed by that, but if it weren't a missing episode and a vanilla release, I don't think it would have gotten as good as sales. Well, no, but I, my, my, my point is, is we can, that, that it, all it did was prove that, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing it on the back of the fact that there was the hype around the missing episodes. And unfortunately, they had the opportunity to do a really bang-up job on a DVD of missing episodes, and they chose to do the vanilla release. And uh, they're going to look at the saying. numbers and say, "Oh, well, look at that. We we didn't put much on here, and it's still, so anything else that comes down the pike." I would hope BBC was missing smart enough episodes. to realize. Okay, that's, okay, yeah. Well, keep in mind at this point, everything that's available is available. There, there's there's nothing to be released on DVD at this point. Done. That exists. that exists in its entirety. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Now there's there there are ones that are that still slated that they're working, on, that they're working and... on, but they're ones that you know have have been out before on VHS or are you know are animating or missing. But two da- uh, uh, Zygons was the last one that had never had a DVD appearance, so they've gotcha. all been out in some way, shape, or form that have been available, um, except for ones that, like I said, are, are still coming. I think what, what Glenn's going for is that. It's not necessarily the decision that, well, we could just get away with vanilla releases from this point out. It's the idea that we can give them a vanilla release first. Yeah. Uh, And then double dip in the well and come back with a special edition later. Right. Which I think they will only do with the missing episodes. I don't think we'll see any other vanilla releases. I mean, granted, they're all out. Well, yeah, again, that's that's what you're going to get at this point. Well, (laughs) even any ones that they animate, I think they're going to include other bonus features. Well, certainly they will, because as you said, the the hype won't be behind them, so they'll have to have something else kind of drive the Well, but again, those have also already had their, if you will, the vanilla release that didn't have the animation or didn't have the, you He's saying, like, maybe they aren't on DVD, but they were out on VHS. VHS. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is essentially the VHS copy of what the You can look at it that way. You can look at it that way, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just um, from, from this point on, anything, I mean, I, I, obviously I'm still working under the assumption that they're going to find more. Anything else that comes out from this point on down the pipeline, I think we're going to get a vanilla release of it first and, and pump those numbers up and go, hey, look, it's the first time it's been available in 50 years. Here it is. And people will rush and buy it. Yeah. And then a year down the road, they'll go, here's the special edition with audio commentary from everybody who's still alive. But you have to keep in mind, well, too, the- that they, they, I mean, we're, I'm sure there's a whole slate of to entertain there's a list somewhere at to entertain of all the things that they're going to re-release as special editions yeah that did that did have you know a substantial amount of extras on it now they're going to put it out with more or different extras um again double dipping in my opinion but if you're going to make it something well they, they worth go back buying, and remaster it then, don't they 
Uh, some of them they do, some of them they don't. Some I thought of them that was they did, they part of the reason why it, some of the special editions were. No, some of the special they, editions. They, they refine the uh, remastering process so they You know, it. some of them are, have been that. Some of them are just because they were able to put new documentaries on them or they had found new material or they had were able to get somebody else in there. Initially, when they were doing the special edition, some of them were simply the fact that they uh, there's a couple of them that they well, cut the omnibus editions, but they they made them like movie type omnibus so that they're they're seamless and there's some extra stuff. Which is the, the other way one the VHS was, cassettes were I think original. Well, a couple of them, a couple of the Warner no, Brothers no, no, VHS no, no. were well, like well, that. Yes, but I'm talking about the ones like well, there's one specific one that they made. Omnibus on purpose to give it more of a yeah it was enlightenment you're right yeah well in um, the special edition yeah. form yeah. and the special edition they've gone on and cleaned uh, special effects has been was, well, yeah. was a big driving force of special editions early in the early days was they they would come back and give you both versions of the of the uh, show one with newly enhanced special effects and one without so. well and weren't weren't most of the initial special editions ones that Warner Brothers had released on DVD. And then two entertain re-released a special edition no, most everything's, feature. Everything's still distributed through Warner Brothers. They just don't have they a, just don't a notch on, on the anymore. back of the yeah, notch on the back hmm. of the DVD. I don't think they did it. I think it's. I, I, I think, he, I, 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 I think he's right to that. an extent. I don't necessarily know that, that was the reason behind it. I think it just happened to wind up that way. Because oh, a, a lot of I the, think it's like Robots of yeah. Death. I remember that one being an early, mm-hmm. and it's got a Warner Brothers tag on it too. But now yeah. it's. Now it's, a now it's a special edition. Yeah. So. Well, well, I think the that's Daleks too is another one. Yeah. I think that's coincidental too, though. But yeah, I mean, we're going to. A lot of them have gone on moratorium, and I, yeah, I presume true. that those are coming back as special editions. Which I still, there's two of them that still blow my mind. But which two? Gunfighters and um, well, those, yeah. Uh, the invasion. Yeah. Gunfighters more so because that was released more recently. Wasn't yeah. It? Well, but invasions only. Since two thousand eight, I think, or two thousand nine. Yeah. So there was another one that was even sooner than that that went on moratorium. I can't remember which one. Then. <laughs> Something from two thousand ten. I think you're right because I remember that. And going down really that list, I was like, it was a one, I thought, Yeah, too. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, so regardless, I'm I'm excited that Web of Fear has broken a record. Um, it really kind of proved how. I mean, for years this has been. You know the Holy Grail, one of the oh, Holy Grails yeah. of uh, Doctor Who, because everybody remembers how good this story was that saw it the first time around, and everybody else wants to know what the Yeti, because we we don't have the abdominal soma either. So yeah. the only thing we've had ex- in existence was just a handful or just a couple of surviving episodes, and uh, so and the five doctors, uh, yeah, and so people got a chance finally to. See an iconic monster in in the uh, Troughton era, which would be the Yeti. So so much so that it was brought back for the fifth or twenty uh, fifth or twentieth anniversary of the Five Doctors. They included a Yeti in there. So yay, yay! <laughs> Last bit of news, Sean. Doctor Legacy. Legacy. Oh yes, uh, for all of our legacy in, in our uh, legacy segment this week, yeah. for all of our players out there, if you're not already on the newsletter, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Uh, legacy has announced that they are going to start giving bonus goodies to newsletter subscribers, and uh, that uh, this week is a, a code for a new character. 
I don't know if it's one that's already available or if it's a new new character or what the deal is, but there's free code for free characters. She's so one that's, a, that's available in the game, but you get it for free. You get it automatic. So, you know, sign up for the newsletter, get your codes. And if you're already a, a member, then they thank you and go by the fan zone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and did I see this week that Jenny, uh, the doctor's daughter, is going to be added to the uh, uh, fan area? And then as a drop in the fan area, and then eventually she'll be incorporated into the rest of the game. That was oh, supposed to be at they said least that about one Storm new level. Garden, and oh. he never came to the rest of the game. Who? Stormageddon. Yeah, he's, he's not in the rest of the game. He's Where? What level? I never got him. He was only in the fan area, and then I, he hasn't. Unless well, they added him in season I five. Him, I got him in the fan area. I got him in the so fan area, too, you. come to think of it. I, don't well, think, I, I haven't found him in. He may be coming. Maybe. <laughs> or they're lying to us. He may be later in those episodes you haven't unlocked. You're only like one level, what, seven? Yeah. So I still haven't started five. I'm 20-some episode or 20 some levels in, but I haven't seen him yet. Of course, I wouldn't probably because I already have him. He wouldn't show up as a well, droppable yeah, character. So. Me, so. Jenny's going to be a black gem-colored and a healer. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the gal that you can get the code for this time, I like her ability. She resets the board. You don't like what the gems are in there? You use her oh, ability, nice. bring in a whole new board of gems. It's nice, especially if you're doing... Isn't that what uh, the one... Uh, the ganger. What's her that's name? That's the special code. Oh, that's <laughs> the, the code character? character. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Which ganger is that? Uh, I can't remember. I'm sure I have her, The then. good one. <laughs> You remember the yes. episode? There was yes. the one it's good the one, one that, that, that survives to the end to go to the meeting to discuss. Oh, okay. The doctor. I'll have to, I'll have to look at yeah. my character to see if I have her. The one whose real person had cancer. So. Yeah. I guess they both did, essentially. All right, very good. Well, let's move on to feedback. First up, Eric. Eric writes Comment question. Hey, guys. I hope you get this before you start recording. A few things. First off, nice editing job, Glenn. I kept expecting my my voice to cut out and then start up again, and I was surprised when it didn't. Now, since you said I could bring up old stuff, here's a few. <laughs> One, Keith never said he didn't see how David Tennant could be anyone's doctor. Although he did seem unimpressed with Tennant in the episode reviewing Blink, Silence in the Library, Force of the Dead. If I'm not mistaken, it was actually in the robot review that he said he didn't see how Tom Baker could be anybody's doctor. Which is true, but that was me. I think you did say that. I did say that, but that was in jest. Yeah, he was being... Because I think it had already been brought up about the... Well, Sarah had already accused yeah. me of that at that point. Right. So I was joking about that part, Eric, just in case you weren't clear. I don't see how... But the Eric has qualified what you've been saying all along, yes. but you never said it. So Thank you, Eric. Two, the Moffat Lies meme, you and yours, uh, meme of yours seem to be based on the appearance of classic monsters in Series 6. I don't think he ever said that there wouldn't be any in Series 6. I'm pretty sure that he said he wouldn't reintroduce any classic monsters to New Who in Series 6, unlike how all five previous series did. Unless the Minotaur and God Complex counts as a Naimon, he has, he kept to that promise. Three, as for Glenn's standing rant about monsters based on Earth creatures, I 100% agree. I have a hard time believing that as that so many aliens would evolve in ways similar to various animals on Earth. 
a trait or two borrowed from something here is excusable, especially if it's a if it's mixed and match. But borrowing a whole cloth is simply lazy and stretches my suspension of disbelief. This is why the terreptopil from the visitation is fine, but the fish-headed alien from the beginning of Torchwood season two or season two episode one is just plain stupid. Relate this related to this is my rant about how the form of the Weeping Angels has made less and less sense with every appearance or mention. But that will wait for another time. <laughs> oh, and bagpipes are not uncommonly heard in my house. My wife and middle son, almost four years old, love them. I like them in moderation. Eric. Eric, thank you well, for Eric, putting I, into words I really, what I think Glenn's trying yeah, to say every really, time he says well, <laughs> anthropomorphized I, I, really, I started to like him when he did that, and then he talked about the bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, thank you, Eric. I think he finally made you make sense. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. Next up, Michelle. Which of Michelle's two am I reading? Just the one. May, May the, the fourth, fourth be, be May the fourth be with you. Michelle writes, "May the fourth be with you." Hey guys, I had a great birthday this weekend. Beginning, of course, with Friday Night Who at one a.m. ETD. Looking at though, looking at the schedule, I'm mildly annoyed to discover that though we are watching two Fifth Doctor stories in my birth month, neither were watched on my actual birthday. When I got up, I went to my local comic book stores for free comic book day. While out, I bought, among other things, the 11th Doctor Sonic Screwdriver. Once I got home, I watched Doctor Who for a couple hours before my sister and her boyfriend took me to see Captain America the Winter Soldier. Afterwards, I Skyped with my parents, who were out of town for my brother's hockey tournament. Then this afternoon, after they got home, they gave me my present, which I've attached a picture of. They gave me a TARDIS nightlight, a TARDIS bracelet, a TARDIS pillow, and a pack of five pairs of Doctor Who socks. The pillow makes the materialization noise, so I've included a video of that. Now on to reviews. Well, first and foremost, happy birthday, Michelle. Yes. yes. I've seen each of these stories at least a couple of times. I've watched Web of Fear before. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michelle, you hipster. They're all pretty good stories, but there seem to be some inconsistencies between the snowmen and the abominable snowmen, the Web of Fear, which I've had to resolve by deciding that while the great intelligence arrived on Earth in the early 1700s and put into action its plan in Tibet, when it detected Simeon's mind about a... Is it Sim, Simeon or Simeon? Simeon. 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 It is Simeon. Mm-hmm. Like the ape. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah Simeon. Uh, when it detected Simeon's mind about a century later, it felt it could use him to accelerate its plan slightly. When that failed because of the 11th Doctor, it returned its focus to Bet, where it was stopped by the 2nd Doctor, who it possibly did not recognize as the same man. However, when the second doctor passed that way again, it recognized him and brought him to Earth to absorb his knowledge. Failure at that attempt weakened it, so it decided to lay low for a while. To be continued next week in part two of this adversary <laughs> archive. P.S. There was an idea a while ago to create a spin-off podcast with some of the female listeners of Traveling the Vortex. That is something I'd like to do. I'd be willing to organize it, so if anyone's interested, contact me and we can discuss ideas. I think that is a wonderful idea. I agree. And I hope that there are listeners out there that would like to do that, because I highly encourage something like that. Thirded. And we'll include her picture and video in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. Or separate? Uh, Probably put them separate, because I don't like to put them in the same uh, post that will go onto the feed. So, yeah, that will be a separate post. Up next. Right. Glenn will take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> Chrissy. I usually do, but unless I forget, then Sean takes care of it. Or Keith did last I, I usually do, because I'm at work and 
have access to a computer. Alright, uh, Chrissy writes, Pretend I threw in a frozen joke here. Dear, Fort- <laughs> Dear Vortex Boys, I have some book club stuff to talk about. First off, thanks to everyone who participated in April's discussion. Who's uh, April? <laughs> have I met her yet? After receiving input and suggestions, thanks everyone, I'm going to leave that discussion up until it goes a few weeks or so without anyone posting on it. That way, if someone wants to come and add their comments or finishes the book later, they can still participate. Also, May's book is Earthworld by Jacqueline Rayner, so people ought to start as soon as they can. This one should be easier to find since it was republished last year. There's also a new pull-up for the for people to vote on the book on what book they want the group to read in June. I added a few more titles, so it's not just the stuff that the podcast has reviewed. Again, if anyone has questions or needing help finding a book, please let me know. Hit me up on Goodreads or on Twitter. Well, it looks like I only have one thing to review since we've already talked about the snowmen, and I didn't have time to read slash listen to slash watch the abominable snow snowmen on my own. The Web of Fear. I watched this last fall after I got it on iTunes, and it was a little tough to get through on my own. However, on the second viewing, I enjoyed it a lot more. Helps that I was watching with the Friday Night Who crew. I love all the interactions within Team TARDIS. Plus, it's the first appearance of the Brigadier. Yeah, yeah, he's not the Brigadier yet, but he's always going to be the Brigadier. One theory that floated out there during Friday Friday Night Who is that Unit was created because of the Yeti incident, and Lethbridge Stewart was put in charge because he was the only military mind that kept it all together during the whole thing. Sort of like how Peggy Carter became a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of the events in Agent Carter. That's a one-shot Marvel short film they released on one of their Blu-rays, but I can't remember which one right now. I think it was Thor Dark World. Right? Thor 2. No, it was... Thor Dark World. No, it was Thor Iron Dark Man 3. Oh, oh it was Iron Man 3? Because right. Thor Dark World was the Mandarin one. Wasn't yep. It? yep, he's right. So I didn't right. see it until I recently picked it up. Good point. Uh, anyway, the second Doctor is awesome as usual. Watching Jamie and Victoria's relationship is always a treat, and it makes me happy that that this and the enemy of the world were found so we can see more of that. On the whole, The Web of Fear is a great story, and I'm glad it was found. Spoilers, I still like the enemy of the world just a teeny bit more. <laughs> That's all I have this week. See you all on the book club, or in Twitter, or whatever, and happy May the 4th be with you. Two days later. <coughs> Chrissy. P.S. Because I don't say it enough, and that's my fault. I absolutely love it when we get new feedback cinder in, cinders in, whatever we're called. <laughs> so, welcome, Eric. Yay, more fifth Doctor Who fans. Sorry. Yay, more fifth Doctor fans. And anyone else I've forgotten to recognize. You're all welcome and wonderful, and please send in more feedback because I like hearing from you all. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Yay. And it was in the invasion that they referenced Web of Fear of the why unit is there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, the, that's the, certainly the right. The you, pointed, you pointed it out uh, Friday as well, that that was, that was the case. Yeah. Um, but I think also, I think we were kind of expounding on that as well, that ex- that was, ex- that, ex- that, that Lethbridge-Stewart, that the brig was, the reason, yeah. was put in, well, was it put in place because of his experience with it as well. Yeah, because we never Not got Not just the fact that they had a Invasion, yeah, the, and potentially first contact for the UK. So. Yeah, because they never expounded on that in the invasion, other than the Yeti business founded unit. Up next, Holly. 
Holly writes, Hey guys, I really liked the story. The first part of the story, I was really chucking... Uh, chuckling when the doctor was telling Jamie that he was imagining things and there was a light flashing on the TARDIS and then Victoria points it out as well and the doctor accuses Victoria of teaming up with Jamie and then he sees the light as well also Jamie's comments about the TARDIS and how the doctor can't control her the doctor's comment had me shaking my head I have to say I really love Jamie and Victoria's companions in this story Professor Travers and his doctor, his daughter are very interesting. I'm going to have to try and track down the abominable snowman audio. Charlie is a typical news reporter looking for a story. Can't say that I don't blame... The dragon. <laughs> can't say I don't blame Anne and Victoria for not letting him know too soon uh, much information, but that's not long when Victoria lets slip about the TARDIS. Evans is quite an interesting character, or interesting soldier, and he plays very well off Jamie. Yay for the brig showing up. Nice to see Unit before it was actually called Unit. The reveal at, at the end uh, to who the great intelligence was controlling, I didn't see coming. To tell you the truth, I actually thought it was going to be Chorley. The ending with the Doctor, Jamie, and Victoria beating ha- a hasty retreat from Chorley to the TARDIS had me chuckling. Looking forward to hearing everyone everyone's thoughts on this story. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank Thanks, you, Holly. Holly. I'm actually excited to talk about this because I mean I kind of did this <laughs> months ago when uh, Snowman came out. Month so. and month and month, month and month ago. All right. Well, that's it, right? We're, yep. Let's get that's on to feedback. Our feedback. Where do we want to start? Let's start in order. Well, we are doing a uh, adversary archive this week uh, on the Great Intelligence. This is part one of adversary archive because we had to split this. <laughs> He's so great. Yeah, we had, to this, we had to set this entity up into two parts because there is a there's a lot of material involving the Great Intelligence, at least televised material, I should say, because there is some other stuff as well. But so I think we should technically start with Snowman. Because I think what we want to do is go in the order of the Great Intelligence, intelligence. timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So true chronolo- true chronological. Yes, not story chrono- chronological. Or uh, release chronological. Well, we've already reviewed the snowman, so I'm not going to give a synopsis. Good. <laughs> I don't think we need that. It had Ian McKellen in it, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> By the way, Richard E. Grant had a birthday... Happy birthday, Richard. Yesterday, yeah, so today. Sometime very Now recent. that you guys have... Now, I, I'm going to ask, because you guys get a chance to see or hear or listen to or watch or read uh, The Abominable Snowman? Yes. No. Yeah. I, I, well, <laughs> and I kind of wondered being six parts and you being so busy, Sean, I didn't. I didn't. I, I wound up finishing Web of Fear today, actually. And oh, then you were on Friday night. Who were you? Yeah, because yeah. of, because of we went to Omaha. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I like I said, I, I really wanted to do it and... Just yeah, just kind of skittered past, uh, and I was like, "That's okay." I'm armed with my Wikipedia page, <laughs> so I'm I'm ready to talk about this. Well, um, but we're not. We're talking about the snowman. Yeah, first. I, I, I got to backtrack here a little bit. Well, the reason I bring it up is because of the fact that I, I'm saying we're going to do these chronologically. But Michelle brings up a good point that I think isn't really fully explained and does create a little bit of a continuity issue. But if we presume that the great intelligence basically came into existence or 
came off of it, uh, came into Earth's existence. Uh, we'll say that it was in the 18th century or Victorian yeah. London. Uh, uh, yeah, be the 18th century, right? Or is it 19th, 19th century? London. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what year the snowman took place. Uh, 18-something, so it's probably the, 19th, the 19th century. century. Yeah. So, 19th century London. Uh, 1892. Okay. Is the so, year the snowman is very late. So, 18th century, or 19th century London. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. 1842. No, that's the early century. I think 1892. Is 1842, correct. 50 years later. Yeah, so 1892. 42 right. would have been, actually, 42 would have been right. 42 is the very, The bulk very, of the episode yeah. sets, AI yeah, is set in. in well, London. okay, so the, this great intelligence was there in 1842. Yes. Yeah. Chronologically. Right. And then it waited. Which, right. did you guys go back and read Well, this, I don't think it even waited. It sort of, it... it no, I'd been manipulating him from... It uh, had. And, yeah. and, well, and, 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 and the impression and it, you get from the snowman is it fell to Earth, however, and just kind of laid dormant until it found something that it could latch onto, and it just happened to be Dr. Simeon. Right, right. And that's how it got to be as strong as it is through his life. Correct. And then, therefore, you can extrapolate that it can, because of that event, go on to do... Tibet and the stuff in the Abominable Snowman. The problem, That's how I took it. The problem you run into with that theory, though, is is that uh, Padmas Pad, Padmas Amphibal <laughs> Padmas Sandabal That's him. Sandabal uh, lived for 300 years. Oh, yeah, that's true. And you, you have to either... Ex- you have... Uh, Maybe they're exaggerating. I think the idea is, well, they didn't because the doctor said he returned 300 years later. Oh, and yeah. And he knew Padma back in the day. And Good so, old Patty. Yeah. He That's a Patty chair with a Padma in it. He did Patty back in the day. The only thing that I can do to kind of rectify the chronology there is, is well, there's some speculation that the great intelligence, until this period of manifesting itself, on Earth, to take over Earth, existed on the astral plane. And it's still to a point, sort of still, still exists there, yeah. on the astral plane. So time may not be relative to that dimension. And so that kind of gives the impression that it could be two places at once or trying to manifest in two time zones or timelines or time, time periods at once. I also presume that because... P was a <laughs> dropping it down that spiritual far, huh? person and a monk that perhaps he lived a long time before the intelligence. And he was already elderly. Yeah, there was already. I mean, and 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 by a long time, I mean maybe even lived two hundred years. I can You kind of have to bring in that spirituality thing. I mean, they've talked about monks and spiritual leaders and stuff in the past having lived. You know. Much longer than the life expectancy yeah. of, of a person. So I can kind of fudge it a little bit there, and that, that it wasn't until much in his, you know, much accelerated years that, that it, it had found yeah. him and it taken him over. Yeah. Maybe so there's a I rift in Tibet that uh, connects to the uh, Miracle Day, um, the blessing. <laughs> and that's why he's so long lived. That's scientific. That's not spiritual. You're okay with that, that's, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Worked it in. But regardless of the fact, yeah, there there is that little discrepancy in this. But um, I think it's interesting that the motives are the same all the way through. 
essentially the great intelligence is trying to take on a form so that it can essentially rule the world, take over the world. That's its M.O. That's yep. essentially what it's looking for in everything until later, which we'll touch <laughs> on next week. But um, I, I like the consistency in, although the pyramids aren't evident in uh, the snowmen, but I, I, I kind of well, think it, it looked more like, to me, pyramids of spheres. It, it was, and the sphere aspect is there because he's he's in that the the well, well the, the, he's in the sphere and the spheres are in the yeti. Yes, I mean all of that makes sense, and so I I just assumed that the data streamlined the pro, the intelligence streamlined the process for web of fear, and that's why they were pyramids in that like a different form of pyramids. Well, that's true too, but I didn't get the impression the, it was the same pyramid. No, 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 no! I don't think Jamie it's a pyramid. I think I think that the great intelligence is using pyramids as a vehicle, not necessarily yes. the same pyramid. Yeah, no, you're absolutely as right. opposed to the snow globe that he was in in the uh, right, in right. The but that's the thing is, I think it's interesting that they didn't use any sort of they they used the spherical a- analogy, but they didn't, you don't see the imagery of the pyramid at all in the snowman, even though that was kind of a big deal in well, both of the Yeti stories. Do you think well, it would have spoiled it? So in uh, it might have. And another thing I like about this is the fact that even though that the doctor has experienced the great intelligence and hit the great intelligence in his past timelines, he doesn't recognize the great intelligence as the great intelligence until near the end yeah. of the snowman. Even after he has tipped off the <laughs> uh, London Underground, a strategic point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, was, that'll come back to haunt you. Yeah, earlier, yeah. <laughs> and it was so long ago in his time too. So it's, you can kind of it makes sense that he doesn't well, remember him. As and well. it's not manifesting in the same way. Well, yeah, this time it's manifesting. If it were Yetis, he would probably recognize. Them. It's manifesting in what they call the living snow, and that's what that that's how it's 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 trying to, but but with the help of Simeon, obviously, yeah. and so that technically is its first attempt at manifesting in some sort of form in, in its goal to take over the Earth. So, um, there's not much more I think I can say about the great intelligence in the snowman. The snowman in itself... I, I think pretty well covered Yeah, it the snowman the in itself is a good story, and I don't think we should. We need to even go into you know a review of how good and, and the aspects of that show. But I like the fact that Stephen Moffat has come along and, and kind of created a a nexus point or a beginning point or an origin point of the snowman to kind of cleverly t- tie it into the series. It's really, um, in, a, in a way, it's almost the genesis of the Daleks of the of the great intelligence story. It's the origin story for it, at least in regards to this. Now, are, are we certain that it fell to Earth? I thought they mentioned did that. Did they mention that? That's the part I don't because I'll be honest, well, I did not go back and rewatch Snowman. But I, I, I did go back and rewatch Snowman. I think Snowman. Fell to Earth was a bit of a metaphor. I don't think it actually fell to Earth. Oh. It just uh, arrived on yeah, Earth. Yeah, I get the impression I mean, is, that it was it was it was awakened essentially. Is it is it possible that the great intelligence so. would attempt to take over Mars or, you know, other planets at all? Or oh, is no, it no, pretty no. much strictly located here? Oh, I think it's because this is where it ended up. There's there's uh I don't remember where it's mentioned, and it might be even in uh, some of the stuff I read about the novels that uh, there is a reason why 
it was it ended up on Earth or was pushed to Earth. But regardless of the of, the, of why it's there, it is. So um, I think your well, I mean, your question's valid. Yeah, if it had ended up on Mars, it it wouldn't may have, have tried to, to do well <laughs> in the 1870s or eight, in the 1800s. Well, we don't know where the, on Mars. We don't know where the ice men were. Or the ice warriors. Yeah, it would have woken up. Uh, they, they, they mentioned that it was like millions of or, I mean, it, or millions it years ago. It would have tried to take an over uh, um, uh, Sutek. <laughs> Maybe that's why it didn't land or on Mars. It would have tried Sutek. to take over the Sutek uh, warned it away and sent it to Earth. Or it would have manifested itself in that virus in the waters of Mars. There was a lot of sentient <laughs> life in that. It yeah, could have taken over the uh, the red dust. Just because we didn't know about it. <laughs> Instead of the snowman, it would have been called the red dust. The snowstorm or the sandstorm. The sandstorm. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the fact that it's on Earth is just relevant to the fact that it wants to take over the world. So. Yeah. Having re- I, I after watching the first three of Web of Fear, I went and watched the Snowmen to before I started um, the Abominable Snowmen, and walking away from this, knowing what I knew from first half of Web of Fear The Snowman while it's a good story it's a better quasi-companion introduction than a good villain story I think it's a good setup for what happens later in the uh, Great Intelligence timeline regardless of timey-wimeyness of it but I think it's a starting point more than anything else less Genesis more starting does that make sense? Because of Clara, Snowman is. Oh yeah. yeah oh, I see what you're snowman. saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That, that, that it doesn't really build on the Great Intelligence too much, other than gives it some sort of origin. Yes. No, I, I agree. I think that's what I. Yeah. I think and that's like, what you, I and I agree with what you said that the mo through these three stories remain the same. Yeah. yeah I buy that. That was you, what I walked away from. Yes, I would agree. Do you think had agree. it been a giant snow pyramid as opposed to a giant snow globe, that that would have been an instant tip-off that old-school fans would have gone, oh, my God, I think they're going here with that? Is that why they stayed away from it from a design well, standpoint? Well, I think that's possible, but I, I, I think, think it doesn't I also... make as much sense for snow. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. True. I mean, in a storytelling sense, it, a snow pyramid does not make sense like a snow globe does. But, but then again, they posted GI on a whole. I mean, he even gives his business card oh, yeah. at the very beginning. It says GI. I think that they dropped the hint to so me early. until. I mean, I obviously didn't recall. I mean, I knew enough of the abominable snowman to know about the great intelligence, but had never seen it up until that point. So I didn't know that they were dropping the the hint well, with the GI. However, I think people that are fan, you know. D- Fans enough that have seen that are familiar yeah. more more so than I was at that time. Recognize well, th- that probably kind part of, of it. Also, from what I recall from Web of Fear and Eventual Summit, I didn't write down or anything. They probably just called it the Intelligence. It was not the Great Intelligence in yeah. these two stories. Yeah. It was just the Intelligence. Yeah. So even the GI is kind of misdirection in a sense because well, you're it, get, making it great. When previously it wasn't. Well, but no, it's 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 referred to as both the intelligence and the great intelligence. But predominantly, predominantly, it's the intelligence, but it refers to it itself as the okay, great intelligence, or, or at least it, when it's uh, uh, when it's monologuing. Yeah, when it's monologuing, that's written certainly true. <laughs> well, whether it's whether it was speaking through P or when it had the I can't remember what was his his abbot uh, was uh, called. I don't remember his name. Oh. Start with a D. Gandalf. Um, no. 
You said D, right? Yeah, it started with a D, I believe. I can't remember. I wish I, I should have the book open here. That's why I brought this over here. Um, because I actually, this time through, read the uh, Terrence Dick written, Dick's written novel. Uh, there was novel, nobody with the letter D. Did you finish it? Name. I did finish it, yeah. Oh, I, oh, it took me three days. It was. It's only 140-some pages. And I just, I really I tore right through it. It was, it, it's, it's a quick read. It's And my mini review of the book is it's, it's very enjoyable. Terrence Dix, who is a master at writing these novels, and, and, and rightfully so because of his history of Doctor Who, does a, a, a superb job. And it was everything I remembered from the recon that I had listened to and more. I mean, it really just kind of, I'm sure it, it, it stepped it, into the minds yeah. of each one of them and kind of gave more of, of the feel of, of, of what was happening and what, what was going through people's minds at the time. Cresson? So. It was Cresson, yeah, I think it was. No, 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 Cresson was the master, was the master of the guard, wasn't it? I got I so confused by confused all the names in this story. Yeah, it's well, it's harder when you're, when you're watching telesnaps or listening yeah. to it. It's a little easier when you're reading it. Um, I'll get it open here at some point. The um, Anyway... Either way, it referred to itself as the Great Intelligence at one point as well. So, okay. yeah. Best thing about the snowman? Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a synopsis for the abominable snowman if we want to do that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mysterious forces are at work in 1930s Tibet. The once gentle Yeti have turned savage and besieged a Buddhist, Buddhist monastery. The second Dr. Jamie and Victoria arrive, expecting a friendly welcome from the abbot, but soon become ensnared in the plans of an extra-dimensional extra uh, extra being known as the Great Intelligence. You're right, Keith, it was Croissant. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the head of the guard or the warriors or, was uh, Sansen. Oh, okay. Sansen. I'd give this story a dun dun dun. No, hmm. I really I have, I have flip flopped them in my head again. Sansen was the one. <laughs> I'm sorry. The names are really you're confusing. right. The names are very confusing. Well, Tomney is is the uh, the good guy. The good the good the one that the doctor initially yeah, tells that, that he's brought back the the, the, the charm. Yeah. Okay, um, he's Fred. From now on, he's Fred. Tom. Okay, Tom. Tom, I can do. We can do Tom. Mm-hmm. That's Tom. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the TARDIS sets down in Tibet, and the Doctor has a a plan, essentially, to return a relic that he had taken with him for safekeeping 300 years ago, which I already like this premise. I already <laughs> like the idea. This can only end that, well. And it's, it's revealed to us, well, it's revealed to us that the relic went missing <laughs> during the... Uh, I think it was when the Chinese had raided the the monastery back in in the 1700s or something like that. Yeah. And the uh, the relic goes missing, but it's kind of relayed to us the, from by the doctor that it had to go because it's such a uh, um, sacred piece that they were afraid it would fall into the hands of the invading forces, and so that's why he took, he took it. it for safe. Well, the first time that I watched or listened watched and listened to this. My impression was that the doctor just took it. Yeah, just, that's just, the impression because he from thought the, it was cool. Watching the episode, well, he does say for safekeeping. Yeah, but my second time through, well, and, and then reading this, they kind of established the fact that 
that uh, Pam Pam. I don't know if I say the guy's name. Pam Sandoval. Pam Sandoval. Pam Sandoval. He um. I get the impression he sent it away with the mm. doctor, and that the doctor did it as a favor, took it as a favor. See, I, watching the episode or the telesnap, you get the—he definitely took it, thinking it was going to be helpful. Now, if Terrence added that bit, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe so. Well, that certainly plays into what we've kind of come to know of the Doctor later through books in Big Finish when the Seventh Doctor is talking about... Well, and the, <laughs> well, doctor the, the Seventh Doctor borrows a lot of things. You know, pro- procuring borrows. items from history because, well, you can't be trusted with it. <laughs> right, right, right. So it kind of it does stay in line with that. Um, something that, that, that didn't strike me until this time, and I, I'm kind of jumping around, but the going back to the Pyramid... Uh, imagery and the in the spheres and whatnot. It didn't occur to me until I was reading the book that you know, the the power source that's in the mountain mm-hmm. and Travers is up there and the uh, energy starts to go and you, they talk about the mist coming down the side of the mountain and the, and the or there was fire I guess was coming down the side of the mountain from the energy source within the cave. It didn't occur to me and took me until this time that the the reason why that was in the cave it's because the great intelligence is using the mountain, which is another pyramid, uh, essentially, see, or peak I, form, I put that together in either. order to... Because you get the impression from this, and even Web of Fear, that the pyramid somehow is a energy conductor for it. Mm-hmm. While the great intelligence can manifest itself within living organisms... They're merely just vehicles for him to do what he needs to do. Um, P <laughs> is used essentially <laughs> to, to create the um, army of Yeti, which in yes. turn is, is used to scare off the monks from the monastery so that he can use that as a base of operations and put the plan in place in order to take over the, the world. So it's essentially a Scooby-Doo plot. He's got a robot astronaut wandering around the amusement park keeping the pesky kids out. That's actually a little, kind of, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, kind a of true. Bit. See, and I never understood how he made the Yeti to begin with. That's something I felt like they didn't really address. Science fiction! They don't, they don't well, address it. What we do know is that P spent X amount of years, hundreds of years... Uh, under the influence of the great intelligence devising this, creating this um, I can only presume that the great intelligence had a higher level of knowledge of science and 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 the well, workings, it would have to in yeah, what, 1930. Be, be, because the the things are quite advanced. They've the, these little spheres that can contr- excuse me that control these robot yeti in 1930. Clearly, there, but also, I can kind of excuse it because if he had been possessing P for um, that many years, I can see him slowly and methodically putting it together and. All of these Tibetan monks, these followers of his, essentially, he's raised to a point of he's like the sacred. He's not a god, but he's he's like the highest level of this group. Gandhi. Yeah, essentially, and so Dalai they Lama. probably were doing a lot of things that they didn't realize oh, behind okay. the scenes. That that once everything culminated, it's kind of like Bruce Wayne putting together his. Uh, 
Batcave. <laughs> is he's collecting things from so many different places that nobody knows that everything's interconnected, but then ultimately it all becomes one piece. Yeah. And I get the impression that maybe that was what was going on behind the scenes, and that's okay. why he had to, for, for 200 years, put this plan together. So, so again, go, going, ba- going back to the synopses for just a moment, the Yeti... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeti is kind of a mythical creature, right? Uh, well, they're cryptozoological. Yeah, the, so it's essentially a abominable snowman. Right, it's, it's the Bigfoot. And it's the okay. idea, the idea is, is Traverse is there because there have been Yeti sightings, legitimately Yeti sightings, in uh, Tibet, and so Traverse is there because he's this explorer uh, professor who is yeah. trying to essentially prove discover a Yeti and prove that they exist. Well, suddenly, the proof is there, but unfortunately, it's not the biological Yeti that we presume. It's the robot Yetis that the great intelligence has engineered. Which is why they're attacking people. Yes. yes. Okay, because the, the, the synopsis talks about friendly Yeti, and I'm like, wait a minute. They, they, well, they allude to the they, fact they give that... give the idea that the Yeti... It's they, just because they've not been spotted in well, public, really. <laughs> they give the impression that, oh, there aren't... At least I got the impression that there aren't real Yeti. They're all just been robot Yeti until the very end. Well, where Travers thinks he spots one. See, no, and then I, it kind of leaves the idea of oh wait, there might be actual Yeti. Out I there. disagree with that, and the reason I say that is because they have the conversation where the monks talk about how the Yeti were peaceful until recently, and then I, they I, started see, attacking. I just assumed those were still well, robots. I. I kind of went there as well until at the end when Travers sees what could have possibly been a real Yeti. I get the impression that the the Yeti really existed, that the biological Yeti really existed. The uh, great intelligence realized that he could use that existence of a Yeti to create create the something. robotic Yeti so that when they did attack, nobody would, would suspect that they were robots or anything but what they thought they were yeah. before. So the peaceful Yeti runs away and hides and is gone while the robot Yetis are attacking. Once the robot Yetis are dispatched, the biological Yeti comes back. And there could have been one, there could have been ten, you know, or fifty I could or see that. hundred. But. I guess the, the another reason why I didn't jump to the conclusion, although it hinted at it at the end, that there were real Yeti was the fact that there's no mention of them actually being real in the web of fear. It was all just he brought back a robotic Yeti that's all there was. Well, there that's were, the other thing you is... think they would have made mention of yes, and Travers discovered true Yetis, etc. Some See, sort of reference to the fact that he actually made some significant discovery other than robotic Yeti. But that's the, the beauty of the opening of Web of Fear is the idea that Travers still is kind of this empty professor who never f- caught his Yeti. Oh, so, okay. And it's because I get the assumption that once he sees the Yeti at the end of Abominable Strowman, he tracks it but loses it and still never has proof that it exists. So that's the idea of why he brings the robotic Yeti back, because at least this was something tangible, an event that happened, and even though it's not a real Yeti, it's something that he can latch onto and say, okay, here's proof of what I have found, and so I get the impression that that's why there's still that that traverse that we kind of get at the beginning of Abominable Snowman, where he's on this quest, but he just hasn't achieved okay. his goal yet. And so I, I, that's kind of how I rectified the idea of 
the fact that that's why there's a robot Yeti here instead of a real yeah. Yeti, or there's still no proof of a real Yeti because that he totally didn't makes actually sense to find me. it. So. That, explaining it that way. Now, I don't know if it was because of the telesnaps and the reconstruction, but while I enjoyed the entire story and it felt like it moved very quickly, some of it's kind of a blur and kind of, I think I lost a lot of the details of part of the story. I think that I think that can happen because I kind of thought the same thing. But also, thing. it felt like a lot of it was running back and forth between the TARDIS and the monastery. Well, there's not a lot of that. I mean, they they start at the TARDIS, they go to the monastery. Well, Jamie they start and, at the TARDIS. Doctor well, goes at the t- monastery. Doctor goes to the monastery. Jamie and, and and go halfway there, then well, halfway back, and then <laughs> they go to explore that cave. Yeah, remember that's where they yeah. end up first is in that cave, and that's that's, that's where, where they discover the pyramid of of spheres yes. the first time. And that's why Jamie knows. And in fact, Jamie later is trying to convince the doctor that the power source is in the yeah, that's right. cave. When in fact, they're both right. The power so- source is both in the monastery and that little anti-room behind the uh, sacred chamber. Yeah, yeah the, the other connecting source is the one inside the me- cave in the mountain where the yetis keep seem to go, go when uh, the great intelligence isn't needing them or, or running them as pawns with this little yeah. you know board. That was another thing that didn't come across real clear in the telesteps were the little, the, the, almost oh, yeah. I, you almost picture this chessboard of these pawns, and that's how, kind of how he moves and advances the Yetis and con- Yeti and control them is by positioning them at certain points on this board, and that must send a signal to whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, to the uh, receivers and the Yetis that give them their, inst- their instructions. Well. I, I kind of got that impression, but you don't really get a good. Sh- you don't get to see them very well. Yeah. Very, uh, I, I, it, it comes across, obviously, that there just weren't pictures of it. Right, right. Unfortunately. Um, this this is a story that I really wish existed in its entirety. I, I do, because too. it's so I enjoyable through most of it. And I, I said that it, it felt like there was a lot of running back and forth between the TARDIS and the monastery, but I didn't mind it. Yeah. It's one of those things where maybe I think it happened more than it did, but... I still enjoyed it so much that I was okay with it going yeah. back and forth. Well, and Trav- partially because of Troughton as the Doctor is so much fun to listen to. <laughs> Travers runs off a lot too because yeah. well, when the story begins, Travers is basically he thinks the Doctor is encroaching on his territory that he's he's there <laughs> he to explore so, the yeah, Yeti and to find it, and so he basically tells the monastery that. The doctor attacked his team because something did. Something attacked and Which, killed his and, team. And I, I, really, I got the impression that while he doesn't necessarily know what attacked the team, he, he felt pretty secure and he wasn't just using the doctor as an easy scapegoat. Well, I don't even think it was that. Is because he he he, he tells them that he's the one that attacked his team, but it was mostly so that they would keep the doctor and he could go off well, and do his, his yeah, thing again. There was some of that. And because, and I don't think Travers knew that they were as serious about the crime in the monastery with the doctor. Because when he goes off, he tells Jamie that he doesn't. Well, he relays in some way that he doesn't think that they would do anything to him, or they couldn't prove that oh, what he yeah. was saying was. Because I don't think Travers thought the doctor had. He was just using that as a, a way to keep. The doctor tied up while he was off doing his thing. And in fact, that's when he encounters Jamie and, and Victoria, who then in turn make a deal with Travers. If you take me to the monastery, we'll tell you where we saw the Yeti you're looking for. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, 
And of course, the thing that gets the doctor out of his bind of, well, I, I can't be who, you know, Travis thinks I am because, well, they would have had to have been, you know, huge and I'm this little guy. And even though if he had the, that was a nice thing that the, the coat kind of played into that was, well, look, he's wearing a coat. So oh, the, the big fur coat. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he, he's, he's, he's at the point where he's almost convincing, convincing the, uh, the monks that he hasn't. But his ace in the hole is the fact that he has brought this relic back. And he tells Tomlin that, you know, go find that. I've left it underneath the cot in the cell. Or it wasn't a cell. The room where they were keeping yeah. him in. And he goes back and he, and he shows it to him. And then, then that kind of clears his name in the sense that, yeah, he really... But not before we get a great scene of him tied to a gate. <laughs> As the Yeti, you're advancing. Yes. Yeah. Which, and the fact that part and of Jay, that that's still what Jamie exists. Victoria Travis yeah. show back up, yeah. And that we picked that up in episode two, and that episode actually exists. Yeah. That part was so enjoyable one. to watch. Um, I like that the great intelligence uh, takes over, uh, well, somewhat takes over uh, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he well, takes wait. her under her under his control. I don't remember that in Abominable Summit. I remember that what the fear. Uh, I took over no, Travers and what the took fear. Over Travers oh yeah, that's right. He takes over Victoria. Okay, the yeah, okay, yeah. And because the doctor has to use hypnosis essentially to take to separate his mind from hers, so that she because remember she's oh, she's confused and she okay. says you know uh, she, I can't remember exactly what she's saying but she's confused and she's scared. She's like. And in fact, that's why he gives her, or he has Tomlin teach her the Lotus and the Flower prayer, so oh, that he okay. can't get the Great Intelligence can't get back yeah. into her mind okay. as well. Yeah, so. I remember that. Um, but, but again, this is another story where the, I thought I, I, the story is quite enjoyable, and there's a lot of things here that I really liked about it, and but the Great Intelligence still is this. From point A to point B, it's the intelligence trying to figure, trying, it's concocted a plan to take over the world that is once again thwarted yeah. by the Doctor. In his perspective, it's for the first time in the Doctor's perspective. <laughs> well, and in a, in, in a way, the snowman kind of does this story a disservice because I, from the, as very early on, I real I recognize that the P. Polo Sandoval or whatever his name is was the one being used by the Yeti or by the Great Intelligence and mm-hmm. has been taken over. So there's no great surprise there, unlike Web of Fear. Right, right. And I think that's because I kind of already know the modus operandi for the Great Intelligence at that point. Or I maybe they just, you say there's no surprise in Web of Fear? I, well, no, in. Abominable Snowman. See, but I don't think there needed to be because nothing technically preceded this. Oh, that's true. We had seen Snowman before yeah. this. But well, and, that, and that's why I'm saying I think the Snowman kind of does this story a disservice, the Abominable Snowman a disservice. No, because you have, the, having watched the Snowman first, watching it in the Great Intelligence Order, yeah. you, kind of, you kind of lose that little bit of Vader as Luke's dad. In the in the order that we're doing it, you're absolutely right. In the order of, of release, of release it, it actually still I think works I because picked they picked up the fact that they got a little covert with it though whoa. with the snowman, and so whoa, yeah, that's true. I think that's what works for it in that uh, setup that 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 linear progression. See, and I think it. the difference is, I would have figured out that 
Padmas, whatever his name is. I'm going to get this. I practiced it. It's Padmas Sandava. Padmas Sandava. Padmas Sandava. Was the one behind Sharp everything. I just wouldn't have known it was great intelligence doing it, watching it the first time. Does that oh, make sense? I see. Yeah, yeah. I would. I still would have picked up who the bad guy was. Right. I just wouldn't realize there was an even bad guy that was pulling his strings. I got you. I got you. I can, I can, I sort of see where you're coming from there in that sense. Then, yeah. I have to say, in both of these next two, these two stories, I really like Victoria in them, even though she yes. kind of gets, uh, she gets hijacked and doesn't get to be herself through part of this one. I remember watching. And she's pretty well related to Second Banana and. Web of fear. Well, and yeah, but what? Well, especially since we introduced uh, Travis's daughter. Yeah, but after having seen Tomb of the Cybermen and not being overly impressed by her, and the Ice Warriors and not being overly impressed by her, these are two pretty solid Victoria stories, I think, compared to what we've had had before. And of course, Jamie, the Doctor, awesome as always. Yeah, but I, I can't remember for sure if this came before or after. The tomb was pretty recent; was pretty early in Victoria's run, right? It was only yeah. her second story. Yeah, I think it was. So there, you're getting a lot of introduction. Well, it, There's I, not I guess a lot of reason nice for her other than the fact that they just of, picked her up. Well, Ice Warrior or Tomb of the Cybermen pre- preceded Abominable Snowman. Yeah, so there you and go. And Ice Warriors directly follows. So I think that we've sort of developed her story enough for this one. But you're right. Ice Warriors is then she kind of falls of a, back yeah. to Tomb of the Cybermen yeah. in that one. Damsel in distress, yeah. screaming. Yeah, I can see that. Um, no, but I, I, I'm quite impressed by her in this story, and I'm quite impressed. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same way, and I'm of I'm both sides of this. Is I'm inc- I'm impressed with her character, and it feels like there's more done with her in both of these stories. But Sean's right. She does kind of end up getting she that second gets, banana seat in Web of Fear. And I well, think most of that is because of the introduction of Travis's daughter, which is maybe a little unnecessary. We'll yeah. get there in a minute. I don't have much more to say about the Abominable Snowman other than it, it sets up a lot. It sets up the M.O. Or, or, well, in the way that we're doing it, it kind of expands on the, the M.O. of... Uh, the Great Intelligence, or at least it reinforces the ammo of the Great Intelligence. I don't know that it expands <laughs> yeah, on it, because, again, pretty much the, the ultimate goal is world domination. Um, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the story, and I, I'm like you. I long for the, the day that we actually get the recovered episodes of this, because I'd like to see... Well, just watching the one episode that existed was so much fun. And it, it's that. very engaging. Yeah. It's, it, uh, the whole story is very engaging, but yeah, that particular episode is is, is quite... And like you said, it's, it's just hearing and seeing Patrick Trout. Yeah, it just, it's just it it's, makes any it's so wonderful. Though. Any missing story even better. Well, anyway, the Doctor thwarts the uh, Great Intelligence once again. That's a funny word, thwart. In, thwart, 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 thwart. In its uh, <laughs> uh, existence, and so that brings us now to the Web of Fear. In order to escape, we can hear more from Sean. An right? attack in space. <laughs> the TARDIS makes an unscheduled landing and ends up. Deep inside London underground. Here, the travelers soon find themselves engulfed in a thrilling battle with the great intelligence and the Yeti, a deadly enemy set to invade Earth. But as events take turn take a turn for the worse, it becomes clear that the golden prize is not just the Earth, but the Doctor's mind, too. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. 
I concur. Yeah, I, I would agree. I really this. As much as I enjoyed the Abominable Snowman, I think I enjoyed the Web of Fear more. And I don't, I don't know if that's just because we had the actual episodes. I, I don't know how much of that is clouding my mind. That's definitely a plus. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like here. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I'll be honest, uh, and I, as I'd said when we first kind of started talking about this, I'd read the novelization, which, if I'm not mistaken, is another Terrence Dix. Long time I think ago. That's right. I think, yeah. Um, I, I read that one as a kid, and it was atmospheric and creepy, and it was a wonderful Doctor Who read. And I was actually just a vaguely little disappointed with it this time out. And I don't know if it's because... Of, you know, maybe not living up to the pictures in my head from the book. Um, because I concocted great subway sets <laughs> in, in my head. Not that these weren't good. In fact, uh, as, as we reported on Friday Night Who, they were apparently so good, uh, the London Underground accused the BBC of breaking in and, and sneaking <laughs> photos and, and, and shooting on the property when they weren't supposed to. They were that authentic. But um, I don't know. I just I, I I don't know if it was a matter of you know the the way I constructed it in my head was was better than than seeing the actual film version, or if I, maybe I was expecting something a little different. It's not that it's a bad story at all. There's a lot of great stuff. Obviously, Travers is is wonderful. Um, his daughter, yeah, kind of torn on. I, I like the fact that she's a strong female character. I like the fact that she's a scientist and can hold her own. And not only as a research assistant to her scatterbrained dad, but, you know, against the doctor. But it really made me feel that Victoria kind of got, like I said, second banana. She, mm-hmm. she, she's left out for, for good chunks of it. She has nothing to do but stand around and scream and react to things. Uh, and she's kind of shuttled from room to room in the, in the army safe house. You know, well, stay here where it's safe or stay here where it's safe. Oh, we're going to go out. Oh, well, we better go back where it's safe. Uh, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then she gets captured. And suddenly she becomes a great companion again because the story's about her and she's dropping, you know, beads and things to let, you know, people know this is the path they took and, you know, doing very smart things as opposed to... uh, Jamie picks up on. Yes. Which I thought was cool. So all of that's wonderful. And of course we get the brig before he's the brig. And I've totally retconned in my head that this was the, you know... Geneva called and said, we're putting together this special task force, and you have more experience dealing with alien incursions than anybody else, so you get the job. <laughs> Imagine that scene from the end of uh, Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> where Nick shows up and says, we're putting together a team. We're putting together a team. We'd like you to be part of it. How much do you know about the unit initiative? I think I'm going to write that. Uh, <laughs> but um, Going back to Trevor's daughter for a second, I thought she was a great, strong character, but then I felt like she just kind of dropped off once her dad disappeared, and she becomes becomes kind of more of I don't know I don't know the word for well, it. Well, she fills that companion role. She, she's she there, kind of does, but yeah. not the awesome companion role. Yeah, she's just there to she hold things. She does end up holding things and giving the doctor things and being his extra set of hands. Yeah. But I felt like the character was already established well enough that it, she was more than that. And she kind of de-evolved as a character for a little while. Well, and it happens about the same time that, that Victoria's, that Victoria's coming yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. So they, 
they, they apparently felt like they could only do one thing at, at a time uh, with at these two with characters. At least with the females, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's certainly true. Um, this particular group of non-unit entities uh, has a wonderful mix of the, the stalwart, uh, um, what, what was his name? Um, the Sarge. Uh, Staff. <laughs> Staff. Well, his name is uh, and- Anders- uh, Anderson? That seems right. I don't think it's but Anderson. They all call him Staff because he's a Staff Sergeant. Because he's a Staff Sergeant. Yeah. Loved his character. Absolutely loved it. I was so disappointed when he died. And then <laughs> I, I was, was so a- happy well. to see him back. And then I was so angry when he turned out to be the bad guy. <laughs> It was just, you know, aww. Because <laughs> he, was, he was great. Do we ever... Uh, that was Arnold. one of the things I couldn't Arnold. remember. Arnold. This is one of the things I couldn't remember at the time. Do we see him die? We just kind of... He just kind of disappears. Yeah, he just disappears off screen because he, he's going into the well, wasn't until, into the web. It wasn't until this time... Okay, I suppose that's what it was. It wasn't until this time that... What, when was it in the episode that he went into the web? That, went, that he... Disappeared there. Oh, that was was it in the telesnaps of three? I think that was in. Yeah, okay, maybe that that's three. why. Because four picks up and it's like a full on battle and on the streets of London. Because something that, yeah. that occurred to me this time is we go, we go a long time with the GI in disguise in staff. If you look at it that way, in Arnold. Oh, that's true. Because there's a lot more Arnold after that. Yeah, and then because he shows back up and he's and. You just presume that it's the same guy, but then when you find out it's not him, that he's been dead for a really long time. Yeah, that he's but they've reanimated that the GIs reanimated his body essentially. It's I was surprised at how many it's a zombie story died. How many story? How many characters died? Yeah, like, yeah. There for a while, I was like, "Oh, there's only going to be like four people left." This, yeah, this, this one reporter didn't die. <laughs> this one's got a pretty high and then, body and count. Then people, but. <laughs> But then they reverse it quasi with Arnold coming back and then the reporter coming back. Yeah, it's like the characters well, that I didn't want coming back. Did or, you? Did anybody think that maybe that uh, the reporter was going to be the oh, one that yeah. was possessed? I think that's yeah. where they're going with that. I thought so initially, but Jamie was hammering it home so hard that it was like, no, nah, well, don't, I don't buy it anymore. Jamie was hammering it home with the uh, uh, wasn't he hammer? Well, no, you're right. But Jamie also is the one that's kind of playing off the, the what was the uh, driver's name? Yeah, that was they, they, and they had that wonderful uh, banter back and forth with, well, how do I know that you're not you know, <laughs> the bad yeah. guy, and how do I know you're not the bad guy? Oh, it was that wonderful scene there where they're walking in the in the uh, down the rails, and they're like, well, I guess neither one of us going to trust the other. <laughs> kind of the impression that they gave. I really liked the driver initially, and his his particular shtick. And then by the time episode, I don't know, five and a half, six rolled around, I was like, you know... It gets I'm, tired. I'm kind of done with yeah. you. Yeah, it gets... The roll gets When, when the tired. Brig gets annoyed with him, I'm annoyed with yeah, him. It's I like, where, are you just... Are you going to commit treason or not? <laughs> we, can we, can we Are you AWOL at this point? Yeah, we throw you out. Run off. <laughs> Get out of here. But well, I find, being that he was the only one that survived in that unit, you kind of wonder if he's going to be end up being the bad guy. The yeah. Bad, which is obviously where they were... The misdirection. They, they tried to give you a lot of misdirection yeah. in the story. What I find odd about this story is how it kind of starts and we're going, and then all of a sudden we land in the underground and we have no idea what's going on. It's kind of just jarring in a way. I, in fact, went back and rewatched parts one through three before Friday Night Who 
to make sure I didn't miss something of explaining what was going on and why all these crews were in the underground and what was happening. And it felt like they didn't quite address it well enough and explain the situation. No, you're really just kind of thrown into the situation. Like you get the and shot you, of the sign of, an inv- of everybody leave and then the webbed human. and You're just expected that this is something that they've been dealing with prior no idea to how long the Doctor, or, Jamie, and Victoria showing up. Yeah, it's, it's just very disjarring because it'd be one thing if we were following along with these characters from the beginning of the episode... To have Travers in the museum looking at the Yeti, and they, while it was necessary for the exposition of why the Yeti have come back to life in hindsight, it almost feels that's why it feels so disjarring. If if we got that explanation while he was with the soldiers underground, it almost would have been better served yeah. for the story. Done as a flashback instead of as a lead-off. Or even, yeah. even just because as a conversation. Not yeah. even, it didn't have to be a flashback. Clearly, as a lead-off, there's some time that has passed between the museum that, and, and the but, events but they of the don't underground. address that right. issue at all. Yeah. So it makes it so disjarring and almost unjointed uh, uh, when you start it, the story. Who is it that likes... Um, that there's like two different types of zombie flicks. There's the... Um, uh, already in full swing outbreak... Or are the, the you know everything's already happened. It's already mm-hmm. bad, and then there's the outbreak story. Right, right. And this feels like the, the more of the Walking Dead style that it's already yeah. been going on. Yeah, I am Legend. Yeah, um, that, that you're just here dealing with it. And I agree with you, Keith. I think if the museum open hadn't been there, or at least had not been there in the way that it had, I don't think it would have felt felt so disjointed. Yeah. I like the fact that we're dropped in the middle of the story. I agree, that doesn't because bother. How me. many times well, has I, yeah, I think how many times has the doctor showed up? And then the events get rolling. Mm-hmm. And, well, and but I also think that I like the idea of the fact that the doctor shows up while things have already gone have been going on. Yeah, I, I, I just think they could have done a better job explaining what the yeah. true situation was. I agree. I agree. And it's really kind of just a small nitpick because once you start get, getting rolling with the underground stuff, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of piece it together in your mind and figure yeah. it out. But yeah. honestly, though, this is this is yet another. Um, I did, surely did not need to be six parts. I really felt like... I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. But there was a lot of stuff that it was, you know, running through corridors, literally. Yeah, see, and I, did, and I, I, just, I felt like we could have trimmed certainly two full episodes out of it and done a really, really strong four-parter. I may have, may have felt that way if it didn't feel like the pacing of this one was, was really good and really strong. And even though, yeah, you're right, there's a lot of attacks and a lot of, of running through corridors... I well, like the fifteen minutes of I, episode four. I like the, the action yeah. sequences. I like the fact that we nice. get full on battle in one of these, and it's not a little ten minute battle that is. It, it's a more realistic feel that there's actually a struggle here, and some this you know uh, the 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 military force is necessary. It made it feel necessary in this. So I I I, I didn't feel. I, I it certainly could have been four parts. I don't I don't I think you could have you, you could have. Done it in four parts, but six parts about it did not bother me as as it has in some episodes in the past. Well, and they probably did that too, just from the standpoint that um, we needed to get up top because uh, you know we've spent three episodes <laughs> underground, <laughs> underground, and people are going nuts. So <laughs> look, daylight. I wonder if you uh, could get stir crazy from watching an episode. You know the the whole uh, uh, 
sunlight deprivation and all. <laughs> there were times where, well, maybe because it was just how my day went today that I felt like I was going a little stir crazy. Claustrophobic feeling. Like, oh look, we're in the dark again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith lived that on Saturday. So. Yes, I did. <laughs> Um, I don't know. There's much more else I can say other than I, so, I like the the ending. I like the idea that the great intelligence essentially laid in wait and trapped the doctor. The other thing I that's, like that's about, a nice. While well, he's still trying to get the form and take over the world, I thought that was a nice change of pace from Abominable Snowman, mm-hmm. changing up the mo slightly. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was just about and, to and, say. And is it wasn't so much the, that he wanted to take the, over the doctor's body, not that it, the fact that he was the after his mind. mind yeah, was well, brilliant. because. And if you look at it with the retconning we have to do with the snowmen, if you look at it in the sense that the Doctor has thwarted him twice... Now, I don't I don't get the impression that the Great Intelligence puts together the fact that the 11th Doctor and the 2nd Doctor are the, the same, same doctor. but I kind of get the impression that you can kind of presume that maybe the Great Intelligence had maybe sort of pieced it together and realized that, okay, I've been thwarted by this guy at least once, maybe twice... It's his mind that I can use in order to... Again, we're still overthrowing the world, but we're going to use another vehicle. We're 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 expanding our our horizons on how we're going to achieve that. Yeah, Maybe the Great Intelligence didn't know until after it was defeated and it laid in wait and it began to develop its... You know, I'm going to hide out in in the Internet Mm -hmm. and the Wi-Fi and it started utilizing the Internet and it found that Craig's website. Craigslist? No. <laughs> the one the the Craig website. Who is this man? Have you seen this box yeah, and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff? And the, the great in, and the great intelligence went, Holy crap, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> then it figured it out. Yeah. Well we'll 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 get there. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a a I, I like how we have split this up. I'm so glad you did this, Sean. Because there's a paradigm shift between these three episodes that really have a theme going, and the next three episodes that we're going to do, or if we got four in there, but no, we got three, three. That, that that have a theme going as well. At least two of the three, and and then the last one's a capstone. But I, I can't wait. Have you guys watched Downtime yet? Not yet. Not I yet. can't wait until we're able to review Downtime because I will warn. Our listeners now, it is a fan film. It's it's it, the 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 story is very weak. There's a lot of loose threads, but but put in the context of what is done here and what it does in the context of this saga of the great intelligence, I think it's really kind of neat, a neat little piece that we fit in there. And I'm glad we're doing that. And I'm glad that that, that you'll see a, a change. We'll see some of the. Um, we'll see some holdovers in downtime from what we've discussed as far as themes and, and, and ideas and structure, but we're also going to see a nice little parallel to the future. So that's all I'll say about that. Anything else you guys want to talk about any of these three? Okay. So why webs? Why Yeti? Yeah, well, at least the yeti, the yeti at least initially makes sense in the abominable snowman because of the location. The yeti, makes and then sense. so obviously the great intelligence isn't overly creative. He may be smart, but not creative. 
Maybe I can placate you well, with this. Well, just the fact that also, they brought the one to the museum. Yeah, yeah. And we had the control sphere there. So and, right. and the Travers, Travers awakened it. Yes. Right, right. I can excuse that. It's the only reason I can see for the web and for the foam. Which yeah, is, see what you, the, I still think the, the foam is a very cool it's, effect. It's, it's no, a the neat, foam is a cool It's effect. a neat effect. I just don't understand why, what it did and why. I, obviously, I the, want to equate the web okay. was just there to I equate kidnap or to kill people, even though the Yeti could do that on their own, and to trap explosives so it won't explode. Okay, I equate the foam and the webbing to the living snow. Is that there are three? There are three things that the great intelligence has in its own arsenal that it has somehow the ability to utilize. It ultimately needs to manifest into somebody in order to get the things it needs done or create the robot Yeti, but somehow they are extensions. Those three elements are somehow extensions of the great intelligence in some way. That's the only way I can explain it. Because even the living snow isn't explained well. Well, that's true. Because yeah. it's not just snow. They make a point to say that it's living snow. So it's living foam. Right. The well, foam I, is just another So I get the impression that, that all three of these things are forms of the same thing and extensions of the great intelligence. But Does that make sense? I don't get the impression that the webs that come in at the guns... Are extensions. Well, I think they are, but you got to think of it as not a physical connection, more of a metaphysical connection, because the it, it it the great intelligence didn't nothing came from the astral plane. It it just it had to be it had to utilize things yeah, exactly. Here. And so I think those are the whatever that substance is has three forms, and that's. What the great intelligence uses. That's the only way that I can kind of wreck it. Because I thought the same thing. Why web? Other than it's looks cool. It's, enough. it's a science neat, it's fiction. A yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if the Yeti was using giant spiders in the sewers, okay, I get it. It makes total yeah. sense. But and I, honestly, I didn't think about it. it. Okay, the Yetis have web guns. All right. <laughs> until until I listened to uh, Toby Hoke's Who's Round, he was talking to Russell T Davies, and Russell brought it up of. Why the web guns? And I, it wasn't until then I was like, "Yeah, why the web guns?" Well, the, 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 the GI had control over the webbing once webbing once it was dispatched. Okay, yeah. The GI had control over the snow once it was dispatched. The GI had control over the, the foam once it was dispatched. That's why I say it. I think it, whatever it is, there, it's three different forms of the same substance that the GI can connect to. Maybe it's just white stuff. <laughs> Might be maybe like sand. It could do sand. Well, mixed. no, no, I don't think it's a color differentiation. I think uh, whatever whatever is being utilized is the same base structure. It just molecules. is in different forms. Yeah, it's just in different forms. That's the only way that I can. <gasps> it could take over the salt that. in the salt mine. <laughs> All right. Anything else that we? I know I keep saying that, but you keep coming up with very relevant. Anything <laughs> uh, more else. him than me? I think that's it. I like how the Brig Lethbridge Stewart's character, while he's grown, 
it's still the same. He's, he's the same he? guy. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, time. yeah. I, in fact, he's that, just got that, new experiences under his belt. That impresses me more that the character can grow, but still adhere to the same principles from the very beginning. He can grow, but still not have that same. Yeah, it just I, I, watching this just made me even more amazed at Nicholas Courtney. I mean, just what a fantastic actor, and and I know a lot of it comes from the writers. But just to be able to he, he personify, yeah, he just holds it all together. Yeah. In order to personify that character so evenly throughout the course of Doctor Who, I absolutely love it. I love it. So good. He's great. Sean, what are we got coming up on he this? He had a really schedule? nice battle scene. He did have a great battle it was, scene. It was fun to kind of see him Better out than the, th- the one in Invasion, I think. Yeah. At the end of invasion. It was fun to see him out in the thick of it as opposed to getting the report that, <laughs> oh, by the way, everybody's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, as, as it seems to me, as a colonel, it's more involvement with the troops. Yeah. Whereas with mm-hmm. as the brig, it's more of the just the commands. You know, he's command. That's pretty much all. Well, you know, he's not going to beam down onto the planet, right? <laughs> he's too important. But then he proves later that he can be still one of the guys in the trenches oh, yeah. too. So, sorry. Yeah, you know, this is the interesting thing with with speaking of his character, how. Willing he was to buy into the idea of the TARDIS. Oh, he didn't didn't bat an eye. Yeah. So there's a craft, and at this point, all the other avenues are blocked. I'm willing to throw men and resources into an attempt to rescue this thing because it might be the only way out of here. But then you look at him later in his career, like the three doctors, when he's like, "You've transported all of Unit HQ to somewhere else," and it's obviously. You know, Cardiff or whatever the beach is that he names, and the doctor's <laughs> well, like, "No, we're on another planet in another universe in another ga- in another astral plane." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, right. I better call it, Geneva." <laughs> but when they talk about the craft, and he doesn't matter, it, it, it's not really embellished on that it travels in time, it travels in space. It's they just the kind inside. of say, "This is how we got here. It was a craft. We have a way to he, get everybody well, he, out of here." He tells him. He tells him space well, and time. He does say it, but it's not like. It's just very matter of fact. He doesn't. He, yeah, that's just it. I think the way that it's presented is the brig doesn't have to think about <laughs> yeah. the 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 physics of the thing. He has to focus on the fact that it's a craft. It's an escape route. There's a, there's a there's a linear thought there's there. There's an A to B. I got there's an A to B. And C. Had the but dog, when you had introduce, the that's just it. Later on, when C, he's it's suddenly thrown. C is thrown at him, and he has no choice but to consider it. Then suddenly he starts to think about it and try to rationalize it. So it makes it does make sense to me that he's still using rational thought in Web of Fear. They've got a craft. Craft gets us out. Now when you've we've, you've transported me to another planet, I have to go. Okay, I'm going to default to rational thought. You've brought everything here, and somehow yeah, it's we didn't do what you know. We obviously did. Do, do, do you think? Well, and had the brig actually gotten to the TARDIS, I think we would have gotten that that reaction. I agree because now it no longer is it a a chance <laughs> to no think linearly. Now you've thrown yeah. Now you've thrown me the the problem or the solution. Do you think if Troughton, uh, if his doctor had given the brig the box argument, <laughs> this, this is how it works, that the brig would have just taken the the, the cube and thrown it at him? <laughs> I don't. Know, I think sense, I think it would have made sense to him better than it did Leela. <laughs> this still doesn't make sense to me. Oh, all right. Well, next week um, you can relax a little bit for Friday Night Who. You don't have to go and, uh, and and search for anything that doesn't exist because we're doing Matt Smith in the Bells of Saint John. Yay. 
So speaking of evil Wiffy. <laughs> and uh, then we're continuing our uh, adversary arc side with the Great Intelligence, part two. We will be covering Downtime, which one more time is a fan film and very limited production run and may be available on VHS in some locations, but probably not. <laughs> it's never had a DVD release that we're aware of. It's one of those things that, I again, we don't encourage digital downloads of, of things that aren't commercially available. However, this is, might be one of the things that's in that, that gray area that if you find it out there, that might be an option for you. I'm not encouraging it, but because it's it's clearly not been released for several years, yeah. there's no DVD release out there. I don't think you're taking any money out of anybody's mouths at that point, but that's your own discretion. We're not encouraging that somebody does that. There is the option, though, to read if you can get a hold of the copy, a copy of the Virgin, Virgin Missing Adventures. Adventures. Or Missing uh, Adventures. It's Missing Adventures. Virgin yeah. Missing Adventures. Uh, called Downtime, which is, is a novelization of that particular film. So. And then, uh, so that, that'll be the big review for next week, along with covering the Great Intelligence's roles in The Bells of St. John and Name of the Doctor. Yeah. So there's that. And then um, looking just a little bit ahead, we uh, are now into May, so it's our fifth Doctor month, so the next Friday Night Who will be watching Four to Doomsday. And my screen just got quiet. Uh, and then we'll be reviewing that, and the Fifth Doctor ebook, Tip of the Tongue, on the next show. Oh, that's the 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary of <laughs> short stories. Cool. Back to those. Well, back to that one, anyway. All right. Is there any unfinished business that we need to talk about? Cool. Nope, I think so. All right. Well, if that's going to do it oh, for hey, this wait. week. Okay. Until <laughs> next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. We're going this way again. <laughs> Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing it. That's how we end it. I, I know, but I was like, it was like at the beginning when you were confused. Now I'm confused. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.